0: Yeah, yeah, all right. So, uh, we are going to Uh, press the button. Water the cat, water the cat. All right, so I am pressing the button. Yeah, we had Nick Marota on a second ago. What happened to Nick Marota? He left us.
1: I I see him in the list, he was on screen. All right, so... Well, all I can see is Ron myself, but I could be having a problem here.
0: Okay. There well, we go. Got yeah, it now. We're live, and uh, hello, everybody. We're going to go ahead and start the intro here in just a second, but yeah, we're live. We're on the air, so let's get ready to kick off Cocoa Talk, episode 85. Here we go.
2: This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast, and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host.
0: All right, good afternoon, everybody. I am your host with the most, my name is Grant Leedy. Just kidding, it's Stevie Stroh here again for another exciting episode of Cocoa Talk. We are on episode 85, and uh, we are going to talk about one of Nick Morenti's uh, favorite operating systems in the entire world, and why is this his favorite operating system? Because it offers ease of use. That's right, so this is a very (laughs) special episode uh, where we're going to talk all about OS 9. And one of our special guests with us today is and I'm gonna (laughs) Alan help me help me pronounce your you just told us a minute ago, but I don't want to screw it up. Help us pronounce your name again, Alan.
3: Yeah, it's Alan Badiger.
0: Alan Badiger, who you are the uh, the the current CEO of Microware, correct?
3: Well, general manager, it's a partnership. Okay, general
0: manager of microware. So thanks for joining us, Alan. We also have on the program our resident Apple guy, Mr. Mark D. Overholzer. Um, Rondel Voe is the procurer of celebrity guests. Ron's the guy <laughs> who gets all the big stars on the show. Ron, is, Ron just rubs elbows and with all with all the a-listers. So thanks, Ron, for lining sure. this up for us again. So Rondel Vo is with us, uh, a guy who knows a thing or two about OS nine himself from O Canada. We have L. Curtis Boyle on the program. Good afternoon, Hello. Curtis. From sunny Southern California, a guy who's done a thing or two with OS9 himself, I believe. Mr. Steve Bjork is with us.
1: Hey there, everybody.
0: We also have with us, uh, you know, speaking of celebrity hobnobbing, this guy has rubbed elbows with the 8-bit guy. Brian Wiesler is with us today. Hello, Brian. Hello. We've got a guy who could probably optimize OS9 a little bit. James Diffendaffer is with us. And last but certainly not least, the the biggest fan of the OS nine operating system on the planet, Nick Morenti's from Australia. Good day, Nick. Good everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and so we are here, and I don't even know where to begin. But um, we usually start off the program with uh, a little weekly update, you know, product updates and acquisitions. And I know Curtis Boyle, you're project update is probably going to be talking about uh, beta 2 for, for the OS 9 ease of use project, correct?
4: Yep. Yeah, just got that released last night. Uh, as usual, I got too busy with real life stuff and I didn't get as much in there as I'd like, but there's some uh, major bug or two, some speed ups, particularly if you have a 6809 system, so Barry should be happy with that. There you go. Wait for some people to pound on it a bit and give me reports back to find any bugs, etc. But so far, the feedback's been pretty good on Facebook and email and on the list.
0: Well, I I'm going to tell you. I've actually downloaded it. I've installed it. It's on my Cocoa, and we can show it off today. I can be the you can I can be the show, you can be the tell if you want, so you can guide me, me being sure, a, a fairly uh novice user of the system. You can kind of we can show it from Actually, I could you know, what I'm going to do when we get to that part. I'm going to reboot my Cocoa right now so we're going to show the whole process of what it's like to boot it straight from the SDC into the uh, prompt, you know, so we can see yep. the, whole, the whole startup time. Um, uh, now, has anybody else, uh, anything exciting happened this week? You guys pick up a new piece for your collection, work on a project, anything like that? I picked up something. What do you got there, Ron?
5: I got, uh, this here was at the um, Target store.
0: Okay, a Donkey Kong air freshener. Air freshener, yeah. Anyone can get it. It's three bucks. Can you believe it's three bucks? Now, what so is what see. is the scent of that? Is it banana scented, or does it smell like? Uh... <laughs> it, it,
6: it does does
4: your Does your room smell like donkey now? Is like... <laughs> air freshener.
0: Air freshener. Mm-hmm. It's all it says. It doesn't. It doesn't tell you what fragrance it offers, huh? No. Excellent. Um. So so Ron got a new. Uh, I didn't get it.
5: I just took a picture of it. It was three bucks. Way beyond. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Looks like it cost him 10 cents to make.
7: (laughs) I'm sure at least three cents went to licensing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly.
7: On the
1: the other side of the spectrum, I've got Ed's new Mega Mini Multipack. Boy, that doesn't roll off the
0: tongue. Ooh. Okay.
1: Actually... It's in Southern California. I've traced it down that far. Uh, it was supposed to be here yesterday, but we know the weather can get a little nasty and it's delayed U.S. Postal we'll shipments, but it is somewhere in Southern California, so I'm anxiously waiting for that to show up.
0: Excellent. You ordered that last week when we were on the air going over his website to see how many remaining.
1: Yes, I was uh, saying it was a little bit, it's looking a little bit like Christmas. <laughs>
0: So we did a public service. We showed off the Zipster Zone website. He had three units remaining. Steve York purchased one, so uh, and it's on yeah. its way. So
1: yeah, I took a third of the stock. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> much like Diego has a hundred percent stock in the Switcheroo in Uruguay. So um, do um, I uh, don't they?
1: Aren't they? <clears throat> they are sold out. Yes, they're sold He's out. He's also sold out on the SDC too.
0: Oh,
5: okay. That well, was
1: quick. <laughs> yeah, we It's the Christmas season. <clears throat>
5: Alan do you know how much uh stuff that we've um added to the color computer after a few years like we have a an SDC that we can load up with uh, a whole bunch of software and we have um, new multi-packs that are small we have um, new games that are made in cartridges we have all kinds of neat new stuff
3: yeah I've sort of kept about half an eye on the group um on Facebook and and I guess it was an email list or something. Anyway, yeah, I've kept about half an eye on what's been going on with the 6809 stuff. Was it Boise? Yeah, I guess Boise contacted me about five, six years ago when we purchased uh, the Microware IP to um, see what kind of issues that we're going to be using the the OS9 as part of the Nitros 9 name and things like that. And that's when I found out y'all were still in existence. Mm -hmm. So I sort of have been... Keeping half an eye on you for, what, the last five, six years now.
0: Excellent. Cool. The thing
3: that that amazes me the most
1: is how they're on the 20-what annual last Cocoa Fest. I mean, this show just won't die. 27 (laughs) or 28, I think we're on. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. They said, no Rainbow Fest. Well, we got to have one more time. 27 times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We've had
1: way more than Rainbow Fest's ever had. (laughs) Yeah. It's Washer amazing,
0: and there's brand new uh, two megabyte up upgrades for the Cocoa So you know, uh, the Nitrous Nine running with two Megs is just like uh, <laughs> it's more more than most people probably imagined back in 1986. You know, um, so incredible stuff. Uh, anybody else have anything new they we they worked on this week? Nick Morentes any update on uh, Rupert Rhymes or, or Funstar or anything?
8: Uh, I've been did a bit of uh, looking around for um, the the Rupert Rhythm was my first Coco3 program, so there was a few things which were a bit dubious in that, and that because of that, it doesn't work very well under VCC and I think Mame. So I've been trying to track down what it was that I did uh, way back then that caused problems. So I think I found um, a few areas. uh, the way I handled interrupts and the way I handled uh, a few keyboard scans were were not uh, standard. They seemed to work on a real Coco, but uh, the way I've done it back from back then when I was trying to learn all the new I.O. of the Coco 3, uh, obviously uh, I didn't do things too right and uh, VCC and main seemed to not like it. So I'll get around to fixing that all up. The only other news I have is I now have another Coco 3. I bought one off eBay, paid, uh, including freight, $240. Not bad. So I got it as a spare, yeah, An, uh, another spare. I've got about three of them was, now. Was
4: that just the computer itself or was that including The
8: computer, paper? it came with a cassette player as well. But, um, yeah, mainly the computer. Is it a PAL one or is it NTSC? Uh, it'll be a PAL one, yeah. Okay. Now it
0: does the um the the memory upgrades. Are those compatible with both versions? They have the yeah, same yeah, the same yeah, RAM yeah. connector, so you could you could do the boomerang board and, and upgrade yeah, it yeah, to could two megs, yeah. yeah, to run to run your favorite operating system, Nitrous Nine. Well, I, act, yeah,
8: I actually <laughs> yeah, I actually have a uh, another. I have two NTSC Cocos. One of them has already been modified with a uh, PAL power, power supply. So this one I'll probably swap the power supply into it with, so I can get my other NTSC one up and running. The power supply seem to be interchangeable so I just have to take the transformers and just swap them over. Um, and uh, an NTSC one running on a uh, Powell, uh, power system works well. So yeah. I'll probably end up doing that because I prefer to develop using uh, the most common cocoa Platform, which is the NTSC one, uh, just to get the correct timings and all that. How and to that, see that wonderful composite colors. No, yes, right. yes.
7: How does that work when you go back to the PAL one? Does it, of course, run slower?
8: Well, yes and no. Um, the PAL one runs at 50 hertz, so it is a bit slower, but you can put a PAL one into 60 hertz mode and it runs fine. Oh, okay. so yeah. That's true because uh, your modern monitors don't care, so you can just kick it yeah, off. they don't care. The modern ones are all resync, um, but by default, because the ROMs are power ROMs, they boot up by default in 50 hertz and by default in RGB colorsome mode because we oh. uh, yeah, so. I mean that's a good thing, but I prefer to have a system which is common to what most people have, which is you know the people in the U.S. So yeah, and Canada. I prefer Canada. And Canada, that's right. Yeah. But uh, excellent, yeah. excellent, excellent. All right, now, um,
0: so Alan, it's it's, uh, badger Did I say it right? Battager. 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 Okay, I was warm. <laughs> I was warm. All right, so we're we're gonna um, you 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 were kind enough to number one join us, so thanks for joining us. And then you also said you maybe give us a little miniature biography for for you know your history with uh, MicroWare and or just in the in the computing industry or whatever. So feel free feel free to now play. This is your life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I've been in the computer industry since mid seventies, um, one way or another. <laughs> Basically got started with Microware, working with Microware in what, 77, 78 timeframe, uh, pre-OS9 with RT-68 and A-Basic, uh, which is uh, 6800 base code. Wow. Uh, worked on, the, when, then you know, when they came out with uh, OS9, worked on 6809 on various platforms, uh, Smoke uh, Signals, Southwest Technical Products, uh, about half a dozen different SS 50 S 100 type platforms.
5: You're programmed,
3: <sighs> programmed. I've programmed a little bit of everything over time. Um, was a Motorola consultant for a while did, uh, Motorola uh, engineering consulting for the, um, uh, had my own company, but, uh, was a licensed Motorola consultant, uh, work with them and their customers to help get, uh, products up and running uh, using Motorola products and uh, uh, done been working with OS 9 in various flavors and forms what, since 79 79 timeframe um, I now own OS 9 um, or one of the part owners um, it's a partnership that owns OS 9 now there's three of us and I um, so, the, you know, short history, I've uh, been working with OS 9 ever since it was written. Still working with OS 9 today. Um, primarily on um, ARM, x86, PowerPC, 68K platforms. Um, you know, we're still putting it out there. We just recently introduced, I think if you look on the Microware Facebook page, probably less than a month ago, Well, we're now calling a community edition OS 9. So there's a version you can uh, run under VBox under Windows or VBox under Linux. That's, you know, it's a full OS 9, has a compiler on it. So you can sit there and uh, play around with the the current OS 9 as we have it. It's not real time, of course, since it's running under uh, a virtual machine. But we're also going to be introducing the same thing running on these little uh, ARM boards. Um, These little $25, $35 arm boards like the Raspberry Pi, Banana Pi, Orange Pi, uh, BeagleBone Black. I got a whole box of them down here that we've got OS9 running on now. Wow. So, OS9 is still alive and well. We're still doing product development on it. Now, this is OS9 not on the 6809. Um, So... um, yeah, been around the the track a couple times. Um,
5: and, uh, tell us how how you were kind of instrumental with the Cocoa.
3: Well, I didn't know it as the Cocoa back then. It was a unnamed project uh, back when I was working. Um, I think we were called Microcom Engineering. Uh, was our was our myself and another guy back then, and we were motor we were. Uh, Motorola had started up this program where uh, we were Motorola licensed consultants, where we were given all sorts of internal access to Motorola technology, Motorola engineering. And our job was to uh, get in more detail than what a field uh, engineer would, a Motorola field engineer, or M- Motorola sales guy would. In other words, we would work with the customer to actually bring up their hardware. and. Um, I got a call from the local Motorola office. I'm here in Dallas, uh, in Plano right now, at the time we were down in Dallas. And I um, wanted to know if I could help a customer. And I said, well, what's their problem? He said, can't tell you. I said, well, what do they need? He said, can't tell you that. And it's like, well, I don't know how I'm going to help them if I don't know what's <laughs> going on. And he said, well, he says, I need to get, a, get someone to call you from, from Motorola Corporate first. He says, because we need to have you sign a non disclosure." I said, well, we already have non-disclosures in place. He says, well, this takes a different one. And a little bit later, I got called by, um, I don't mean, know, it was a product manager, or general manager. But anyway, one of the high muckety-mucks of Motorola, and uh, they faxed me down a non-disclosure and then told me the customer was Tandy Corp. And um, they needed me to take my equipment over to Tandy figure out what was wrong with their equipment, help them get their equipment working, configured and set up to um, help them get this 6809 based product working. And if I needed parts to you know, sacrifice my system, call them up, let them know what I needed and they would get me replacements by morning. And I said, well, that'll be a neat trick considering it's 12 week lead time on most of these parts. They said, don't worry about it. Just get the job done and we'll get your parts. And I ended up sacrificing most of my exerciser system to get their was it two or three systems up and running? Because each one had something wrong with it. But, um,
5: what do you we know about up? exerciser system?
3: An exerciser is the yeah. old Motorola development system that ran on the what they call the Exerbus, it was, um, uh, an old board of uh, uh, what was it, uh, gold plated fingers. I think it was a uh, hundred pins. Uh, pretty good sized system at the time, but uh, the exerciser system. I imagine if you look on eBay or something, you'll find some of them hanging out there. Uh, but it was a development system. It um, you know you could compile software on it and stuff like that. But it also had the uh, the board in it where you could plug it in between the chip and the socket and be able to debug the target board. And, you know, I mean, it's sort of like um, a primitive version of JTAG where you could actually take over the CPU and take over control of the socket and go out there and manipulate the, the thing and and see what was going on on the board. Like uh, a
5: breakout board or something? Sort of
3: like a breakout board. Um, but allowed you to, to debug your software and, and figure out what was going on in the target system, so you could get it up and running enough to do things like get a debugger running or, or get a monitor running of some type. Um, and that was always a challenge back then because you know most of the chips you know, on reset they go to a fixed address and start executing. Well, if, if you're not if your address buzz isn't working or your data bus isn't working, basically you don't start. Um, unlike a lot of the chips nowadays, and especially these ARM chips, I mean, heck, the bootloader is built into the chip. Um, so it it basically um, you know took over the bus, let you see what was going on, and you know they had some pretty nice tools for as primitive as it was compared to stuff nowadays. I mean, this is this is pre-BDM, pre-JTAG, pre you know the tools we use nowadays. Was the exercise
4: manufactured by Motorola themselves yep.
3: then? Or? Yep. it was a custom system manufactured by Motorola. In fact, I think it came out of their Phoenix office, their Motorola Systems Division, which was located in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, at the time, it's there's a horrendous lead time for them to, to get a system. So but, this
5: was specifically a
3: 6809? Uh, well... I had one that would do 6,800, 6,809, and 68,000. Um, in fact, it was, it was funny there for probably six months or better. Anytime the local sales office wanted to do a 68,000 demo, we were the ones giving the demo. They actually came to our office with their customers to do the demos because they didn't have the equipment in their office. They, their exerciser wouldn't do 68K.
5: So the sixty-eight oh nine and the sixty-eight thousand ship came out about the same time, right?
3: Uh, sixty-eight hundred came out first. Uh, it was a couple of years later. The sixty-eight uh, well, there's sixty-eight hundred, then the sixty-eight oh two, then the sixty-eight oh nine, then the sixty-eight oh nine E, and then what? The sixty-eight thousand came out in seventy nine. Wow. The original, we call it the aircraft carrier. (laughs) Big, huge monster, 68 pin, chip's about three inches long and about an inch and a half wide. Um, I think that came out in like 69. And then what they were producing, 68K processors up until what, about 95? So 95, 97 time frame when Motorola announced they were discontinuing the 68000 family, and currently, as far as I know, the only ones still produced are the 68349
5: and 68360. So let me ask you, when when you were involved in this, did you did they always have a 6809 as the target for this machine, or did they? Okay, so it was wasn't like they were searching for something; they already picked the 6809 and went from there.
3: Yeah, they had the 6809. Uh, the big question was, could they make it? You know, this was, when I worked on it, the project didn't have a name. It was a proof of concept to see if they could develop a small personal computer um, and be able to manufacture it inexpensive enough that it would be something they could sell in their stores.
5: Was this because of what Apple was doing or it had nothing to do with Apple, right?
3: I mean I don't don't think it had anything to do with Apple it's just Tandy was looking for something to put the Tandy name on or the Radio Shack name on.
1: Now wasn't what Tandy basically was working with is a more or less from the reference design from Motorola. Yep. Right. Yep.
3: Well, they basically took the reference design and then moved it around a bit, and added some features to it and changed things up a bit.
5: So the, That's how a
3: lot of things got started with the the early sixty-eight oh nine stuff. The early sixty-eight thousand stuff was you know, they're basically copies or similar to the Motorola reference designs.
5: So the VDD VDG chips and the SAMS and all that were present and there to to be made working. Is that is that what your job was to get it all to work together? Or?
3: Get it all to work together and and you know get get it so they could get their board up and running and then show them how to use the equipment to actually get their board running. Well, the board was almost running. Once I got their systems up and running I then showed them how to use the systems to get their board running. Their board was close to running but not quite. They had to um, had to do some cutting wires, uh, you know green wire as it was back then to fix a few things but then once I got that up, then we actually got um, wasn't called MBUG back then. What was it called? I forget what their debugger was, but basically it was the, the original Motorola debugger. It's called MBUG nowadays, or last time I used it was called MBUG, but I forget what it was called back then. But we got a, a prompt up on the machine, and so they were happy at that point.
5: <laughs> so at at that point in time, and Later, you went and does, did something else. Did, did you? Were you happy to see it was named and became something? Okay, oh, yeah. I,
3: I was thrilled to see the color computer come out. Once it finally came out, I think it was it was a, over a year later when it finally came out. Hmm. I forget what year. Yeah, forget what year color computer was introduced by Radio Shack. One of you guys probably know better than I do.
0: 1980, I think it was okay. uh, July. Yeah. July of yeah. eighty.
3: So this was like early either late seventy eight or early seventy nine when I was working with them. And like I said, at that time it did not have a product name. In fact the project didn't even have a
0: name. Right. Well, the history that we learned of the color computers before they made it the home computer, the first version was the Project Green Thumb, which was used for the agricultural industry, where it was basically just a real simple terminal where they could look up, you know, supply chain and, and um you know, weather and, 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 things like that. And, and so that was kind of an industrial application. And then the next product was the uh, video text, um, which was basically kind of a, a dumb terminal. It just, it didn't have an operating system. It just ran as a terminal, but it was, that was really the first commercial product was the video text. And then it took that same case and that same design and then made it the color computer. So I'm wondering if you were working on the green thumb project or the video text or if they, cause I mean, even to get the green thumb off the ground, they would have had to debug the hardware and yeah. everything well, else is, to get it going. Right.
3: Like I said, this was their first 6809 based boards. So. Yeah.
0: So you might've actually been to help. You might've helped kickstart project green thumb, which is the, you know, kind of the, the, the grandfather of the cocoa.
3: Yeah. Cause this was, like I said, this was their first attempt to build a computer system. Yeah. That was nope. theirs. So, were you involved with any of the ROM
4: right. development with Microsoft and stuff too, then, or were you just getting no. the
3: hardware up and running at that point? At that point, I was just getting hardware up and running.
0: Now, were you doing that as a representative of a MicroWare, or were you? Is this a different role you were playing uh, when you um, were?
3: At that time, I was a MicroWare distributor, a Motorola consultant, but I was self-employed.
0: Okay.
3: You know, I had my own company. Okay. Sent Motorola a nice large bill for spending you know time over at Tandy.
0: <laughs> and
3: and give, giving away your, your reference stuff. <laughs> yeah. To make it uh, I mean, the biggest project I think I worked on at the time was I did um, back then I did an oil field system using a sixty-eight oh nine and uh, RT sixty-eight because OS nine didn't exist yet, and this was to monitor uh, oil well drilling and and uh, oil well drilling. You know, the, all the various aspects of that. And you'd be surprised how complicated drilling an oil well is, how much stuff you have to monitor. Um, but um, we built a system and uh, deployed it and uh, got to watch it work for a couple of days and got to watch it get destroyed when the oil well blew up. Oh, my <laughs> God. Not
5: because of the machine, is it?
3: No, actually, they were frustrated with this because we were setting off alarms all over the place, but their other equipment wasn't. And um, we were setting off alarms because we were saying, hey, you've got too much mud. You know, the, when you drill, they pump this what they call mud down there to flush out all the debris. And that mud has to weigh a certain amount in order to hold in order to hold down gas and oil, you know, when they hit the pocket. And uh, you keep track of how much oil, how much mud is in the tanks, how much is in the line, how much is how deep you are, and so you're you're constantly calculating a, a total mud volume in a system. And uh, what you look for is what they call a mud bump, at least back then they called it a mud bump, where your total volume jumps. You know, you're not pumping mud, you're not, no one's adding mud to the system, but suddenly your calculation says, hey. We just gained 10 barrels of mud. Well, the way you gain 10 barrels of mud is because something's displacing it somewhere. And um, we were sounding off an alarm saying, hey, you've got a two barrel mud bump or a five barrel mud bump or something. And their equipment wasn't signaling anything. And we're going, hey, you know, something's wrong somewhere. Either a sensor's wrong or, or you've got a gas bubble coming up or something. And they kept turning off our alarms and saying, Well, you know, our equipment says there's no problem. And I think it was about an hour or so later, the well blew because of a gas bubble. Wow. <laughs> it, um, we detected the, the mud displacement. Um, I think we detected like a one or two barrel mud displacement, and their system wouldn't detect anything less than about 10. Cool. So, but a barrel of mud, you know, several thousand feet down that takes a lot of pressure to displace now, it, so much
5: we we've always heard um in some ways that uh, um 6809 was used at nasa were you involved in anything like that with nasa uh,
3: i did a lot of things at nasa i don't remember the 6809 being down there i know they had some mod comp computers and some other computer systems down there um you know uh the ones I worked on were mod comp twos and fours and uh, you want to talk about primitive a mod comp 2 does not have condition codes. The only condition you code you have on a mod comp 2 is equal to zero. Mm-hmm. Oh wow
1: yeah when I was at GPL there is no 60 no more roll of products that was going for the you know the stuff that's going to go up in space.
3: Yeah, oh, was uh, OS-9
0: used in, uh, in any NASA projects, like the Space Shuttle or anything like that?
3: Um, yes.
0: Okay. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Why do you say
0: yes
3: like that? <laughs> uh, OS-9 used in a number of government projects, NASA, okay. military and stuff, but I'm not allowed to discuss it. Right. Oh. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah nasa
3: and that, has
4: released some public documents saying that os9 was using some testing equipment and stuff so i mean yeah. that's public,
0: yeah
3: public knowledge but yeah and, their their test lab down there most of the stuff in their test lab ran on os9 wow well,
0: good, well, good enough good enough for nasa gotta be good enough for nick morentis too so yeah. <laughs> um,
1: well, it's just anything that you're saying in space you got to make sure that the uh, uh products are not going to get affected by cosmic rays and other issues uh, why temperature ranges and not all mole roll was getting authorized for that there's a couple of companies that were making chips that uh, let's just say knew some people back in the congress and senate and they were able to get their products in
3: now a lot of the early rca processors were the favorite processors for going up in space mm-hmm. they were in theory rad-hardened
1: Yep, hmm.
3: and could handle the the space, but yeah, getting space qualified is a real trip.
1: Well, the first computers for the shuttle—and correct me if I'm wrong—they were uh, core memory.
3: Yep, core memory, and um, uh, a lot of it was RTL logic. Not even TTL.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: It was uh, older RTL logic. That's cool. Yeah, there's um. there's. You'd be surprised at some of the really old technology out there running stuff.
5: So OS-9 was used in a lot of controllers and
3: industry then, basically. Oh, it's used in a lot of stuff. I mean, um, I know I was an expert witness, although I never got called. But some of you, especially here in the U.S., probably remember this little oil well blow up down in the Gulf a few years ago.
0: heard about it. Yep.
3: Called the deep water. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. That was BP. Um, that one took forever to clean up, Yep.
3: Yeah, well, OS nine was running a lot of the oil well equipment on there. Wow, uh, OS nine's used a lot in industrial situations. It's um, you know, I mean, y'all cuss OS nine every day, even even now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've pulled up to a stoplight and
9: got yeah. mad at it because it changed
3: <laughs> or something like that. That stoplight's been installed since 1995. Well, 97 for sure. If it's running on an ATC-2070, it's running OS 9. And the ATC-2070 is the only authorized controller that ITE and other will uh, fund.
0: Oh, that's cool to know. (laughs) So if if there's ever going to be like what they predicted in that movie Terminator, where the computers become self-aware and there's Judgment Day, OS 9 may become... Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, it seems like it's controlling everything. <laughs> it's, it's used in a lot of places. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah.
3: You know, the biggest problem we're having with right now is just you know uh, figuring out how to market OS nine in today's environment. That's part of the reason for coming out with the community edition of OS nine. Um, Mike, yeah, Weir he- did really good back when they sold personal OS nine and and things like that because people would play with it at home and then eventually it would end up in their jobs and so then Micware would end up selling it commercially and but,
7: QNX, qnx opened up uh, like a community version about a decade
4: ago
3: for right stuff so hey that's one
4: of your major competitors i presume is qnx
3: probably one of the well qnx or linux with the quote real-time linux Although most of the people that have tried real-time Linux that are trying to do real-time will tell you that real-time Linux is a cuss word.
6: Okay. (laughs) Uh,
7: It's Linux, there you go.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know know a couple of traffic controller manufacturers that were told that, hey, we need something better than the 68360. We're gonna go to a PowerPC chip. And by the way, we're not gonna pay royalties for OS 9 anymore. We're gonna use an embedded real-time Linux. And so they went out and spent let's just say in excess of seven figures trying to develop a, a Linux based traffic controller. And uh, let's just say, I know several traffic controller manufacturers who you do not want to use the word Linux anywhere within arms. Range. <laughs> <laughs> about you, said, you said the L word. <laughs> they, uh, well, Linux was not designed as a real time operating system.
1: Yep. Well, it's We're not just time. that.
3: I mean, the, the, I mean, the VP of Econolite in California, uh, VP of engineering, he said, you know, they told us it was free, that, you know, we could get it for free, and that support was free, and all this stuff was free, no more royalties and all. He says, what they didn't tell us was we were going to have to hire one or two specialists to configure Linux to work on our hardware platform, configure the tools to work with our hardware platform, And then keep those people on full time to support our hardware platform. But it's free. (laughs) He said those two employees cost more than we ever paid in support and royalties for OS nine.
5: Wow. Now you can charge more.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been self-employed for close to three decades now. And, um, a lot of people don't take into account and say, well, you know, software engineers only $75,000. Now, nah. when you work out the math for what it takes to hire a software engineer, a $75,000 software engineer costs you closer to $200,000 a year. By the time you figure in taxes, uh, benefits. benefits, office space, equipment, everything else, it's, it's easily 3x their salary. Hmm. It's hard to get below 3x salary for a, a software person.
4: I, I have a question for you. How, how did it come about that you and and the two partners that you mentioned earlier came to get the rights to, to OS9? Because, I mean, it was originally was where they went to Radisys and it kind of bounced around. Right. So how did R- that all well, come
3: about? Uh, back in 19, well, back in 2000, Radisys had a big project with Nokia and Microware had some technology to where they could run ATM at wire speed. And so Redisys was looking at licensing OS9 and that technology from Microware. And some bean counter figured out that the, over the term of the contract, they would end up paying Microware more in royalty and engineering fees than Microware's market value because Microware was publicly traded at the time. More than Microware's market value on the stock market was at the time. So, Radis has bought Microware uh, specifically for an Nokia contract. And then, uh, Radisys basically got rid of all the engineering, all the management. Um, when we bought, quote, well, Microware, it was down to two part time employees. Radisys basically took the attitude of, Hey, it's 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 printing money. I mean, literally, their CFO in a meeting I had at Redisys probably a decade ago. It's like, well, why does Redisys do anything with OS9? And the CFO said, because it's printing money. He says, you know, 80, 80 cents of the dollar of OS9 sales goes straight to their bottom line. Um, because they're they're only supporting it for what people would pay to have thing have done to it. So it was two part-time engineers um, was all they had going for it. So they basically took Microware from, I think they were going about 16 million in sales a year down to uh, two and a half million in sales a year. And at that point, Radisys was 350, 400 million a year company and they got uh, a new CEO, new CFO, new, new senior management because the board didn't like the way the company was going. And the, the board basically gave the direction of if it's not core business, dispose of it. And Redis is actually at that point, this was August or September of 2012. I actually had a memo. I mean, I actually have a copy of the memo somewhere that stated that OS nine was not an ongoing business. It was to be shut down. All customers were to be given a end of life lifetime buy. And that was going to be the end of life of OS nine. No future work, no future sales. They weren't even going to bother selling the assets. They were just going to chuck it in the trash. Wow. And, um, at that time, there were three of us distributors: myself, Microsys in Germany, and um, well, it's called Forks in Japan. But uh, Forks created a company called Freestation. and uh, basically, the three of us all independently initially started to talking to Radisys about what could we do to keep this going because we had, you know, major industrial customers. I mean, uh, Matsushita. Siemens, um, Eagle Signal, uh, economy, you know Halliburton, uh, major customers using, you know, buying tens of thousands of licenses every year, and it's like, you know, what can we do, and uh, you know, to keep OS nine going, and of course, Redis is like, we're wiping our hands of it, don't want anything more to do with it, it's not worth the effort. And originally they approached us of, well, we'll just issue you a, a license to go do what you want with OS-9. You know, we'll still own it, but we'll give you a, a, a license to do whatever you want with it. And of course, as soon as I took that, my attorney he said that that license isn't worth the paper it's written on. He says, if, if something happens to rate assist, you have no rights. He says, you have a license, but the license isn't worth anything if the company that owns it goes under or gets bought, which I don't know if you all know it or not, but Redisys no longer exist. Redisys disappeared early this year. They got bought out. So Redisys no longer even exist. But, um, so what my attorney here in the U.S. suggested was the three of us go together, form a limited partnership and negotiate as a limited partnership to buy the total intellectual property rights to OS-9. And it took Red Assist a little bit to come around to the concept because they, they didn't want to mess with it, but um, we basically-
5: It'll take the money though, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically we worked out an agreement with them where we, you know, we came to a mutually agreeable amount Um, and uh, Microware LP is the partnership of RTSI LLC, uh, Microsys GMBH, and Freestation Inc. Uh, Microware LP purchased all the intellectual property rights, trademarks, patents, copyrights, um, everything there was to do with OS9. And uh, that was done I think the legal date is February 23rd of 2013. There's a letter. If you go to microware.com, there's, you'll actually see the letter up there. And I think the effective date was made March 1st, but um, we basically purchased OS nine took us a couple of months to get everything uh, copied out of Des Moines. I literally drove up to, or flew up to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, I built a system here that exactly duplicated their server in Des Moines that had all the sources to OS 9 on it. Um, you know, same version of Linux, same version of ClearCase Source Code Control, and um, sat down with um, John, their software guy, their systems guy, and we literally migrated all the sources to OS 9 over to my hardware. Um, so I've got. A system sitting back here in storage right now that has the history of OS nine as far back as Microware had it on their systems up there um, under clear case. Um, and I literally went up there made sure we could build everything build OS nine off that system that everything you know, we could re- literally rebuild the world. And then I packed up Des Moines, Iowa, I packed up all their offices. I basically left uh, Rick Yates and Steve uh, McAllen up there with a desk and a PC in their office. And uh, in theory, they were to have new jobs come Monday. Uh, I left on Friday and on Monday they were terminated uh, from Radiuses. But I literally packed up everything in a big U-Haul truck and drove it from Des Moines, Iowa to Plano, Texas and uh, re-established microware from here. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, you can't quite see it, but if you could, that black box right there is the home of OS9. That's where all the sources to everything to OS9 reside.
5: Is that backed up too?
3: oh yeah it's backed up to the cloud <laughs> it's backed up to a server in germany it's backed up to a server in japan uh yeah it's and it's backed up to a raid box here locally
4: now you'd mentioned uh, that raid assess at the end they only had two part-time engineers like i assume you've expanded engineering staff and is it shared between japan germany and, and you or is it yeah uh,
3: yeah there's there's point? currently what four of us working full-time or mostly full-time on os9 now Uh, Kai Thompson in Germany, uh, and Peter Schuller. Peter is primarily marketing and sales. Kai Thompson from an engineering point of view. Uh, Myself here in the U.S. And then we have um, Takisan and um, Yoshi um, Trasma in uh, Japan, the other four software engineers. And we all work Probably 90 plus percent of our time doing software development on OS 9. Here in the U.S., I do not just the OS 9 software. I do sales support. You know, I wear all the hats. So, um, uh, but yeah, we there's four of us constantly doing development work on OS 9 now. When we first purchased it, um, one of the first efforts that was undertaken was to, uh, okay, uh, was to look at what we had and where we wanted to go with it. We've, we've got pictures of whiteboards. We've listed all the issues we saw with OS you 9, know, software that need to be updated. Uh, we need to run on newer hardware, because I think the last board support package for OS 9 that had been developed for ARM was like an ARM I think it was an ARM5 or an ARM4 chip uh, that was already close to a decade old. Um, uh, I think it was the Intel strong arm chip was the last chip ar- that was done arm wise. Power PC, I think the Power PC that was done five years ago was an 8200 series. And um, so, I mean, basically very little been done with OS 9 for over a decade other than what customers were willing to pay for. So um, first project I undertook uh, was to uh, port OS 9 to an ARM 7, which, you know, you think, well, ARM 5, ARM 7, not a big deal. Well, if you go look at the ARM history, going from ARM 5 to ARM 7 is a major change in technology is over 100 and something new instructions, new MMU, new caches. I mean, it's almost a totally different chip uh, going to an ARM 7 from the previous series of ARMs. And so it took me about um, 15 months because you have to port the compiler, port the assembler, port the linker, port the compiler. And then once you've got those ported to generate the code, then you have to generate you know the bootstrap and figure out how to get the bootstrap to come up on a board, which is you know lots of time with JTAG, lots and lots of time learning JTAG and learning how ARM works. Um, the thing that helped a bit that uh, Rick Yates helped us with is they had a ARM simulator, so um, we were able to software simulate the bootstrap of OS 9 and uh, in the initial kernel code boot um, with the simulator such that once we went to hardware it made getting the the hardware we knew the hardware was good because Linux ran on it so getting OS 9 running on the hardware was a lot simpler with JTAG because we knew it would basically run in the simulator but still it took the better part of 15 months by the time we ported over the compiler and compiler tools, then got the basic bootstrap running, then got the basic kernel running, and then we had to go through and get all the, all the tools, the, the various file managers, uh, all the command line stuff, all uh, recompiled for ARM7. And since then, we've been busy little beavers working on ARM7. We have it, in fact, we even have it working on ARM8. In 32-bit mode now.
5: Okay, uh, I got a question now. All of this work you're doing is command line type thing. There's no GUI or anything, right?
3: Nope. Uh, we have well, we're working with a company in uh, Germany called Zybase, and we have Zybase 9, uh, which is a GUI for OS9, um, and we have that working on the ARM chips now, ARM and PowerPC and x86. So we actually have a, um, if you go to the Facebook, uh, Microware LP Facebook page, you'll see some screenshots of the the desktop of uh, Zybase 9. Zybase 9 is quite similar in capabilities to the old G Windows. Uh, It's quite easy to write uh, applications for it, where you hook it up to sensors in OS 9 and, and convert a sensor value to a needle movement. On the screen, they have you know various kinds of instruments you can display and uh, ways to hook those up to real, you know, A to D or eight D to A type inputs, so you can display instruments on the screen. So that was um, one of
4: my favorite parts. I, I did a little bit of work with G Windows at OS nine thousand, and we actually had it hooked up to presses and stuff like that. And it would actually you wouldn't have to write the code to do it; it would just send the value. in you, your graphic of a needle or a slider bar, or whatever, just automatically update. You wouldn't have to write the code to actually interpret it.
3: Right. And that's, ZBase Zybase 9 does that. It, it has the the hooks in it where you can, you know, create a needle and, and pump it a value and it'll, you know, it'll display properly on the screen.
5: So you have your version of ease of use.
3: Yes. <laughs> Um, you know, it's basically um, similar to uh, Windows XP or a Windows 98 type desktop. If you go look at it and play with it
5: with the bar across the bottom and
3: with the bar across the bottom and, and things like that, it's um, there's still a lot of work to do with it. It's strictly frame buffer based at the moment. Um, the hooks are in the, the driver to be able to hook into the intelligent GPU chips, but the hook is not in the code yet to do it. Right now, like if you want to, if you grab a screen and scoot it, all that is done in, in X, in uh, Zybase 9. Um, there's a hook in the driver to, you know, move block, but the currently Zybase 9 doesn't call that hook to actually have the GPU do the move. So uh, we're still working with uh, um, Klaus over in Germany to come up with these updates to Zybase to be able to use some of these features. Of course, the biggest problem is with any graphics chip. You know, uh, every graphics chip is different. So you create a a move routine for one chip. Fine, it works for that chip, but it doesn't work for any others. You have to, you know, the next. C- ARM CPU that comes out and uses a different GPU, you get to write everything all over again from scratch. Well not so much from scratch, but close to it.
7: That's uh, why you have
3: libraries. Yes, but the, our biggest problem is is what libraries we use. Um, one of the things we're very, very careful about with OS 9 is if we go out and look at a library to use because we want to pick up somebody's stack like the USB stack, are or, uh, or like what I'm working on right now. Open SSL, Open SSH, is it cannot be a GNU license. Um, we have a number of our customers like Siemens and Halliburton and such. If there's a GNU license, it, it basically puts a big red X on our software and says no in cannot use in house. You know, if there's Security if there's a GNU license attached to it, it cannot be used. Um, BSD licenses are approved. Uh, the some of the Amazon licenses are approved, um, so we have to be very careful about what we look at for for libraries. Um, you know, it's so like I'm updating. We we have uh, OpenSSL and OpenSSH ported to OS nine on 68K and x86 and ARM and PowerPC, and I'm currently in the process of updating those because the version we have ported, there was a CVS security warning came out two months ago. I guess it was that uh, there's a timing issue that can cause the OpenSSL to send everything clear text instead of encrypting it. So we're having to update to the current version of OpenSSL to fix that problem. And along with that, we found out that OpenSSL, the version we're using, um, they're going to discontinue the 1.02 support at the end of 2019. So mm-hmm. we've got to, uh, you know, make the step up to 1.1, which is not API compatible. So, all sorts of fun stuff trying to keep up with the industry out there and keep our technology current. But
5: how do you keep your brain from exploding?
3: Uh, Careful. <laughs> Uh, needless need to say we have weekly conf- um, almost most almost weekly conference calls between Germany the US and and Japan. I mean, we we talk at let's see it's 6:30 in the morning Dallas time right now which is well 1:30 in the afternoon in Germany and 9:30 at night in Japan in Tokyo. But it's a, the closest time we can find where everybody is more or less awake and can talk. <laughs> Um, you know, Germany's getting ready to wrap up those their day over. there. I don't think those guys over at work past four or four 30 in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, in Japan, they're all calling in from home because it's nine 30 at night. But um, we, uh, we conference, you know, weekly on, you know, the direction we're going. It's like, you know, ultra C the C compiler we've got now that, what, Microware came up with that in the late 90s? You're talking about Ultra-C? Yep, Ultra-C. Came up with that in the late 90s. It uses a licensed product from EDG and, and AT&T, and that license was allowed to expire. And, you know, Redis didn't maintain Ultra-C to standards. So, you know, it's, it's mostly C99 compatible, but most people nowadays want C11, if not C14 compatibility. And so uh, we looked at licensing the current EDG and eight, well, primarily EDG products. It was some Design Group uh, products to uh, update our software and found out basically it would take a brand new license that would cost us almost seven figures for the license. And um, which is hard for us to justify. Hard to keep so that. We're we have uh, just finished porting Clang LLVM to OS9. Well not to OS9. Clang LLVM will now generate an OS9 module. So we can sit there on a PC either under Windows or under Linux, and compile with the target being OS 9. And um, so we now have a, um, a current technology compiler, cross compiler, uh, for OS 9. Um, at this moment, we're still working on the debugger. Um, we've got the debugger basically working. Um, the, the biggest problem at the moment is we're trying to integrate everything with the, the Eclipse IDE and Eclipse and Lang aren't very well integrated yet at this point we're finding out. So um, there's there's a lot of focus being done on you know, updating our compiler technology. Um, at the same time updating uh, you know what CPUs we run on. We now run on all the current power PC, um PowerPC, x86 arm processors as long as we're running in 32-bit mode um we don't do we don't support arm in 64-bit mode yet and not real sure if there's a lot of demand for it um the other path we're working on although it's it's not got a lot of focus yet basically we have an intern looking at it is um, over in Germany, is we're looking at um, running OS 9 and Linux simultaneously on multi-core CPUs. Uh, We do that currently on x86 uh, using a third-party product. But um, we're looking at being able to do OS 9 and Linux on, you know, you take a quad-core CPU, you could run OS 9 on one core and Linux on the other three. So you could have OS 9 handling your real-time embedded you know, uh, ethernet or, or other embedded processes that are very time critical with their own dedicated CPU while you have a general purpose OS, Linux, or Windows, uh, running on the other ARM cores or other, other cores of the CPU. Our, our current focus is on ARM. But the plan is to focus on ARM and PowerPC. Um, I mean, the x86 market, unfortunately, there's it's uh, there's so many products in the x86 market, we'd be beating ourselves to death for an extremely small set of uh, market share. But um, is is my mic muted or is it?
5: We hear you.
3: Okay, we hear you. I, yeah. I saw a couple of them. Ah, okay. Um, so we're, we're going to be focusing primarily on ARM and PowerPC running OS 9 multi core, which will be you can run OS 9 on a couple cores as independent, you know, two different OS 9 OSs, or you could run OS 9 on a core and Linux on the other cores or, you know, variations thereof. Um, and this will be done in real time. This involves what's called a level one hypervisor, which are basically a bare metal hypervisor. Um, the community edition of OS nine we have out there now under V box, V what's considered to be a level two hypervisor. Uh, v box allows you to run virtual machines, but it's virtual machines running under a general purpose OS. So there's no. Um, I mean, even though OS 9 is, quote, real-time, OS 9 is not real-time because it's running under a virtual machine. It's running under a general-purpose OS. That's not (coughs) real-time. It's it's
4: not talking directly to the hardware. It's kind of abstracted from it. Right. Hypervisor level 1, you would be talking to the hardware directly?
3: Right. Hypervisor level 1 is basically partitioning the hardware, and we would partition out a core and certain pieces that OS 9 would control directly. And then the other pieces of the hardware would be partitioned out to Linux or Windows or whatever other OS you want to run.
5: It must be cool at your dinner time when you sit and talk to your wife and tell her what you did today.
3: <laughs> like, my wife has no concept about what I do. No.
5: Okay. <laughs> my, my wife is an Alzheimer's researcher, too, and she does the same kind of thing when we sit at the table. She starts talking about all these things that she does and stuff, and my eyes kind of gloss over. Yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it's basically, I guess what I'm pointing out is OS 9 is, OS9 is uh, despite what some people like to think, OS 9 is far from dead. Uh, we're currently trying to play catch-up. I mean, ideally, OS 9 would be running, you know, under a level one hypervisor multicore with Linux five or ten years ago. Uh, instead of today trying to figure out how to make it do it. You know, in theory, we would have had something like Sealing LLVM five or ten years ago. So, so basically, has
4: put the whole project on pause is what basically happened.
3: Yeah, they were basically basic,
4: just support of whoever. Ba- ba-
3: Redisys basically milked it for royalties. I mean, their, their CFO said so. I mean, it's just, just all OS9 was to Redisys was a money press.
5: Is OS 9 still the um, real time multitasking? Is that the strength of it? Yep. I mean, that's the. Yeah, background. I mean,
3: you, you get on like an ARM CPU, you know, one of these, what, eight or 900 megahertz or gigahertz ARM CPU, you know, from interrupt to first instruction of the ISR is teens of nanoseconds. I think it's like 15, 16 nanoseconds on a typical ARM core. And similar on PowerPC, it's in the teens of nanoseconds from hardware interrupt to actual first instruction of the interrupt service routine, of your interrupt service routine, your device interrupt service routine. OS9 executes a couple dozen instructions from the time the hardware is execute, from the time the hardware is recognized by the CPU to the time we get to the actual interrupt service routine. I'll bet there's no more than a couple dozen instructions. It's a very very short trip through the OS, and uh, it's still very much real time. It's uh, we've added on OS nine on PowerPC and x eighty six and ARM is a totally different beast than what you're used to on sixty eight zero nine. We have threads, P threads. Um, of course, we have the TCP IP stack, the USB stack um you know support for sata drives sd emmc uh type storage
5: but they're all like uh modules right
3: yep they're all modules still the same modular the architecture
5: same.
3: wow um still Me- the same basic os9 you know and love from os9 or 6809 days we use a different shell now i mean we still have the legacy shell But we tend to use M-shell, which is more like a corn shell.
5: Why Uh, do you think uh, you guys hung on to OS-9 all all these years? You know what I mean? Why wasn't it made, uh, you know, like um, OS-24 later on? (laughs) You know, you just stuck with it because everybody knew it?
3: it I think it was a lot of it. Legacy. Brand name recognition I mean, yeah. the, well, is important.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt real quick or just a second, but there was a question in the live chat by someone by the name of DragonBytes, but they're asking uh right. is the file system you're using now the same as what was used back on the uh 6809 version, or has that file system evolved too?
3: It's evolved considerably. Um I mean the, the file system on os nine sixty-eight thousand. Was similar, uh, but different. The one on OS nine thousand is is very much different. I mean, we have you know besides user and world, we have user group world permissions. Uh, the uh, we have things called small files. So instead of taking up a sector of five hundred twelve bytes for a descriptor, and then another you know sector of five hundred twelve bytes for a small text that may only be 100 bytes, we, we set a bit that says, hey, this is a small file. So the file descriptor, the text, everything is all in the same sector. Um, the file system itself supports, uh, I forget what size drives we support now. They're monsterly huge drives. Um, because I know like the 6809 system and the early 68K system, we couldn't support a disk drive bigger than like two gigabytes, I think. I'm not even sure if the 6809 would support two gig.
4: It, it did if you use multi-sector clusters, you can go up to four gig. Okay. So it messed up some utilities that were hard-coded to think there's only one sector per cluster.
3: Right. Uh, the 68K would go up to like, I think, a f- two gig or four gig drive. And I think we're good up to... Well, I know we're good well above four gig now.
5: But um, so you can have file names more than eight and three, right?
3: Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah even 609 9 did that. I think, we're, well, in fact, we've, uh, Japan, what, a year ago, um, what is it, ITF8 is the file coding we're using now. So the I think we're good up to like 256 characters in a file name. And it's a, it's, um, it's not multi-code character set. It's the, I think it's, the, it's the ITF eight character set where you use, you know, the standard ASCII is only seven bits. This uses all eight bits for a character. So you can encode a lot of the, some of the Jap- common Japanese characters and things like that. So, um, um, so that, and we've, matter. <laughs> that we've, you know, you can have um, some of the stuff that you used to not be able to use in file names. We can use now some of the, uh,
5: you mean punctuation or what?
3: punctuation and stuff it's legal in file names now. So yeah, it's the file name is considerably different. Our file system file naming system is considerably different than what it used to
0: now there's a follow up question from the same person. Is it backwards compatible or if you brought in an old o s nine formatted media would it would it recognize the legacy file system?
3: I know it did. I would have to check see if it still does um, I think the code is still in there. It probably would, but um I know most of the time when we're going to when we're transferring stuff to the new file system we just copy it onto a USB drive and plug it in the new system and copy it off. So um, supports
7: FAT32 also.
3: Oh yeah, we support FAT FAT was FAT12, FAT16 and FAT32. Yeah, you know, there's there's lots of FAT file systems. There, there was also
7: there's also a question on YouTube about uh, the Macintosh OS9 and all that confusion.
3: Yeah, that's a different. That's the. That's actually a, a version of Linux, is what it is. It's not OS9, the well, RTOS. Oh, OS,
7: OS10 is, but oh, Mac OS9 was
3: predecessor. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, yeah, that's the that's the one that Apple and and uh, Microware went to court over, and basically the court said they're two different pieces of software running on two totally different platforms that'll never meet each other. So there's there's no problem with the naming. Which microware had a big issue with, but you know, Apple had the bucks. But um, um, yeah, we're still still supporting it, still developing it. Um, you know, my one of my focuses besides trying to keep things like open SSL, open SSH running, and supporting sixty eight K, I'm the sole support of sixty eight K at the moment. The, the other people, Kai and uh, Trasma and Takasan, uh Kai can't remember the last time he touched a 68K system, and I don't think Takisan or Trasma even know how to spell 68K. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that was so 30 years ago. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, I think I'm the only one that has customers still building and shipping 68K systems. Um, if it ain't broke... So, yeah, so we just recently introduced for OS 968K 4.0, which is the um, one of the things we did. Um, we're a little hesitant to do it, but we decided to do it whenever we recompile the OS from source. Uh, totally. um such as OS-9 was 5.2, I guess it was, on PowerPC and ARM and x86, and that's what was shipping out of Des Moines. When we bought OS-9 and rebuilt the world, as we call it, from total, total source, in other words, wiped out all the binaries um, and rebuilt everything, um, the first time we did it, we re-editioned OS-9 to 6.0. And I recently did the same thing for 68K was I rebuilt OS9 68K from source, which turned out to be a real challenge because MicroWare for the past 15 years or better had only compiled the bits and pieces of 68K they had to to fix the issue they were fixing. And they had never recompiled all the utilities, file managers, everything from scratch. And uh, the first time I did a recompile of OS 968K from source to rebuild the universe, um, it didn't work. It took uh, probably a couple months to get OS 968K to rebuild from source. So since we've done that, we now have OS 968K 4.0, which is what's being installed in the traffic controllers out there with the open SSL open SSH because they've decided that traffic controller networks are, are, what does, what does DHS call DHS has its name for it, but basically it's, um, it's a network that needs to be secured and protected. So Against no more, cus- huh? Against unauthorized intrusion. Right. Um, well, and the thing is, traffic controllers use their own crazy, I mean, every manufacturer has their own protocol. Um, I mean, up until late 90s, you could not mix, say, an Econolite controller with an Eagle controller with a NASTEC controller or a McCain controller. They all talked different protocols to do the same thing. So um, for a
7: network, you had to have all the same manufacturer.
3: In order to right. In order, in order to talk to them, you had to have everybody in your city had to be the same manufacturer. In the, in the 90s, um, was it ITE or Nashua, one of them, the National Highway Association, came up and said, hey, this is ridiculous. We now have a controller where we can run the same software on various controllers and You could take Eagle's um, CPAC. And run it on Econolite controller or Econolite software, and run it on legal Eagle controller, because they were all running OS9 with the and we had standardized an API, such that, you know, software written on one controller would run on any controller. And in fact, they went so far as to establish testing labs. So, um, in order for a controller to be sold, you had to get put on what was called a QPL, Qualified Purchasing List which meant you had passed all of the compatibility testing. Um, I mean, Caltrans actually set up a lab, California Department of Transportation actually set up a lab, wrote a ton of software, which had to be rewritten, but basically if you could get through the Caltrans test, then you could get put on QPL. Once you're on QPL, then government grants would fund, you know, cities purchasing that controller. And um, so they got to the point they could put different vendor software on different vendor's hardware, but you still had to have that vendor's central office software in order to be able to change timings or calendars or things like that. So then they developed NTCIP, National Traffic Internet Connect Protocol. I think that's right. NTCIP. Um, which was basically it's basically SNMP based, but it's like setting a calendar. There's an NTCIP MIB that's set calendar. And uh, if you were compatible, then it worked on anybody's controller and anybody's software. So you could use a software on an Eagle controller and talk NTCIP to it and use anybody's central office software and so that's the direction the uh, traffic control industry has moved over the last couple decades the problem was they used ntcip v1 which is not encrypted it's it's uh you know just basically you know here's a ud packet, udp packet in a clear that's a uh, snmp mib for Calendar and, and of course the spec is published. You can go up there on the internet and download the NTCIP specs. So if you look at the traffic control network, if you got access to a traffic control network and you have the NTCIP specs in front of you, everything's open source. You can tell exactly what's going on.
5: Awesome.
7: And you can hack it.
3: <laughs> well, in theory, traffic right. control networks are on a standalone network. Right. Then and I can understand. tell you exactly what happens when they're not because I had to help Tampa Bay figure out why all their traffic lights went blinking red at 4.45 in the afternoon. Great. That's Um, when
5: the policemen come out with their flashlights and their colored hands.
3: Well, with the traffic controller, when the MMU, the multiple malfunction unit takes over, it requires physical intervention to reset the traffic controller. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) So someone physically has to go out to the traffic controller and reset it. They call it a truck roll. Yes.
9: Everyone
3: and, and in Tampa, a certain traffic control engineer who shall rename nameless, in fact, I'm not sure if I know his name or not, uh, decided he was going to be smart. He took his PC in his office. He had an Ethernet card that connected up to the Tampa traffic network. And he added a second Ethernet card that he hooked up to the local network for doing email and browsing and stuff like that. He made a bridge. And unbeknownst to him, Windows will automatically bridge those two networks together. So suddenly, we had all this email, Windows email, and Windows uh, multicast showing up on the traffic network. <laughs> and the 68360, if you're not familiar with it, only supports 10 megabit Ethernet.
5: So, it's so choked here up. you
3: have a couple thousand traffic controllers in the city being flooded. With multicast and email, you know, email broadcast and all of this kind of stuff. And the 68360 and its infinite wisdom and the OS nine driver, because I didn't know any better at the time, says, oh, I got all these packets coming in. I'm just going to keep processing packets to heck with the rest of the OS. I'm just going to process packets. And no one really realized it at the time, but the Ethernet controller on a 360 is perfectly capable of sucking 100% 100% CPU time to do that
5: because <laughs> oh, <gee.
3: laughs> <coughs> it'll run the it'll run the ethernet pretty close to wire speed under OS 9 so needless to say if you run the, the traffic controller CPU at 100% which means you're not running the traffic control software you're not sending out the watchdog pulses to the MMU and after 1.2 seconds the MMU says hey You went away, I'm taking over. And when it takes over, the intersection goes to all red flash. And uh, so anyway, we had to go into the ethernet driver and say, hey, if you see multicast, ignore them. If you see packets coming in too fast, turn off the ethernet controller, throttle it down. You know, don't chew up 100% of the CPU. And, yeah, to put some some code in the Ethernet driver literally at interrupt level uh, to throttle the Ethernet controller so it wouldn't, you know, shut down traffic controllers. And uh, I'm not real sure what happened to that uh, traffic engineer, but. <laughs> <it> <laughs> do, you was have,
5: a, uh, do you have other people that you keep an eye on that, uh, you know, in a retro setting, um, you know apple power pc group or something or is it
3: um yes and no i've got a couple groups that are using the rtsi server uh, i don't know if you remember many of you remember uniflex but there's a, a uniflex users group out there yet um but i haven't seen anything on them in ages um os9 is about the only thing i've seen anything really still active out there in the world on legacy hardware. Oh, um, Yeah, there's some, some older 6809 stuff up on the server, but I don't know that anyone's done much of anything with it in ages. Um, I, I grabbed
4: some of it because I was trying to rebuild some of my lost library from my hard drive crash, so thank you for that. It's including some of my own source code.
5: On our Coco group, we have 2,500 uh, members, which is pretty good.
3: Quite a, quite a base, user base. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Facebook page.
5: Yeah. yeah. Which.
3: A good yeah. One. I don't know how many of those cocoa systems are still out there. I guess there's still quite a few of them out there from the sounds of it.
5: Yeah. I don't think um, any of us have ever found out how many were produced in total. Have they?
4: The premiere from,
3: from Tandy? No. Yeah. And I don't know where you'd even find that information because all the people would know died. are gone. Yeah, that
1: information died with Tandy. Hmm.
3: But um, uh, I know there's still a lot of people out there. I got a email from someone here a while back. He said, Now that OS9 is dead, is it possible to get the source <laughs> to OS9? <laughs> and it's like, uh, I hate to inform you of this, but OS9 is not dead. It's still still supported, even 68K. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where he got the word that OS-9 was dead, but that is something we have to fight a little bit of because I go talk to people and it's like, yeah, we have OS-9 for for this and that. And it's like, I remember OS-9 from, you know, 68K days, 20 years ago. It's still around. It's like, yep, still around, still alive, still kicking.
5: And um, is there anything like it, like in uh, Russia or some other, like China, is China tried to do a uh, you know, real-time operating system? Or do you have any, um, you know? I
3: know OS-9 is used in Russia and China. And I know they've tried oh. to rip it off quite a bit. Hmm. Um, China especially. Russia's, Russia is actually reasonably decent about actually buying real licenses, at least the companies we work with. They um, probably want real support. <laughs> yeah, uh, China. On the other hand, I know there there was a lot of traffic controllers sold to China for the Olympics to upgrade their traffic control network, and um, I was recently routed an email from someone in it was in India or Hong Kong was trying to get uh, some information on OS nine that. That ran on a, a a a new traffic controller and uh sort of figured out that basically what someone had done was they had cloned an a t c twenty seventy and were trying to to make a new one using you know by copying someone else's software and um you know I informed them that they were in you know whatever they were doing was in violation of the license and that o s nine you know is you know trademark, copyrighted, protected a hundred different ways, even in Asia, and that uh, I would appreciate the name of the people trying to do this effort. And at that point, they promptly went silent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um,
5: how do you view um, Nitrous Nine yourself? I mean, uh, you find this interesting? What we're trying to do with it, or
3: I find it's interesting that you're you're main, that someone's actually doing a lot of work to maintain something on on legacy hardware like that. Um, as far as the OS-9, I mean, uh, we don't have the sources to it. We, I talked to Mark Hawkins a couple years ago, and, and uh, he said he, he used to have a system in his office that actually had the sources uh, up until the point in time where that system disappeared out of his office, and he wasn't really quite sure what happened to it. He had some suspicions about what happened to it. But when that system disappeared, all the sources to OS 96809 disappeared with it. Um, and that was before they had implemented the ClearCase software control, um, source code control system, so it it never got captured under ClearCase. And um, and being such an old system, I don't think it ever got captured on any of their source code control systems. So, you know, from our point of view of, of OS or nitrous nine, it's, I mean, it's OS nine, the trademark OS nine is, you know, it's a registered trademark. Um, I guarantee you, you know, I spent thousands of dollars getting that paperwork updated. It took us, three years, four years to get all that paperwork updated. Because again, when Radius has bought Microware, they didn't do all the paperwork. They filed a general purpose piece of paper that said, anything we haven't changed the registration on, um, we still own and, and it belongs to us, but they didn't go in and actually change the registrations. And so when we did the IP purchase, um, our trademark and copyrights and patents attorneys went in and said, uh, we don't know who did this, but this is not the way you do this. And um, Redis has actually had to go back and re-engage their, uh, their attorneys to properly re-register the trademarks and copyrights and patents in Redis's name so they can then properly transfer them to us so we could then get them transferred properly into our name.
5: Now, did you have to reimburse them for all that work or said, Nope, nope because that them? was
3: covered under our purchase agreement. They, oh. they
5: had
3: to, they had to confer on us clear title to all of this uh, intellectual property. And because, and because they, because the and because they hadn't gone in and done it right the first time, that was their fault. So they had to go in and they, no, we didn't have to reimburse them for that. That was, you know, they had to make it right per per the purchase agreement to buy the intellectual property rights. They had to transfer a clear title. So they had to go in and clean up the paperwork first. So then we could re-register it in our name. Sounds like you hired the right attorneys. Uh, Let tell you this way, four hundred fifty dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, The, uh, the, the attorney bill is significant um, for getting all that, taken care of and it took once we got the clear title it still took over a year to get the paperwork back from the USPTO confirming the new registrations
5: now I got a question about um, what I did on the um, Nitrous 9 OS 9 site I put TM on there and you're happy with that Someone spoke up and said something about having an R instead. Does it matter? or What's the difference? It doesn't
3: really matter. Basically, TM, you can put TM on any kind of mark and and use it as, quote, a trademark. Uh, But there's no protection to it as a, quote, trademark unless you go in and actually register it with the USPTO. Now, once you register with the USPTO, You can continue using TM, or you can now use the R, which indicates it's a registered trademark and under the full protection of the USPTO. So according to my attorney, they're interchangeable. The R gives you, quote, more protection. Just from the point of view, it says, hey, this we've gone through the headache of registering this trademark. TM may or may not be registered. uh, basically we were told to use TM back when we first started all this until all the paperwork got squared away and the paperwork didn't get squared away. Well, we finally got the last of the registrations back from the USPTO early this year.
5: So all that paperwork also covers back to the very beginning. Yep. The last night.
3: It did it, it cover, if you go look at, if you go do a uh, trademark search on OS-9, you'll see the original registration from Microware Computer Systems Corporation. Uh, you'll see them re, uh, re, reapply for it. Then you'll see a transfer to Redisys. And then you'll see the transfer from Radius Redisys to Microware LP. So you'll, you'll be able to follow the whole chain of history if you go do a uh, trademark search, so yeah, all the all the paperwork and legal paperwork, registration paperwork, is now correct.
5: Okay, I've got a question. This is maybe dumb. I don't know, but um, you know, our ROMs have MicroWare on the Coco Three on it. Um, if we were to, in the future, build a new machine, and you know. Where would that stand? Would we have to continue to put that on there if, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Maybe somebody else can jump in. But um, let's say we, we build it. Somebody got together, you know, say we got 5000 people uh, interested in the machine down the road and we wanted to actually come up with something. You know, there's these ROMs to consider and, and you're on there. So what happens?
3: Well, I know we're not going to pursue doing anything about it, but from a legal point of view, I guess if I talked to my attorney about it, she would probably say if it if it contains a product of microware out of Des Moines, it still needs to have the microware OS9 label on it. Um, even though technically we own 68 OS9 6809 because we own all intellectual property that was formerly Microware Systems out of Des Moines, Iowa. But we don't have sources to it. We don't have hardware to support it. We have no intention of devoting resources to it. Um, but I think from a, a acknowledgement of what's in it, you probably still should put the label on it. We're not gonna charge you for the label. I mean. Those original labels, Tandy, Radio Shack actually paid a fee for those labels. It's Probably only a couple cents a label, but they paid a fee for those labels.
7: And, and the development too, the the upgrades for the uh, right. extended basic was all Microware. Developed, right. So There's some sort of engineering costs there. Yeah, yeah, that
3: would
4: be a complicated one, I would imagine. Because I mean, Microsoft has, has explicitly said they don't want anything with their ROMs released. So, and I think they even gave Microware grief, you know, they wouldn't share the ROMs. And that's why Microware had to do these. And over-the-top patches to get it to work on the Google Three.
3: Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things of I'm not going to pursue trying to do anything about it. I mean, I don't have the time or resources for it. Um, but I think just from acknowledging the fact that it's a Microware product, you know, Microware OS9 product, probably ought to put the label on it just to be safe in case at some point down the line we should ever sell it and somebody decides they're going to go out there and pursue it. Um, I would imagine if y'all are ever going to actually go and, quote, build a a large build of these things and duplicate the ROMs, somebody probably ought to write me a letter so I can write a letter back acknowledging it and giving you permission just to to cover the bases. yeah.
5: Kind of like what I did with the...
3: Like what you did with the the logo thing you did. Because that's on file. I mean, that's actually on a document on a, a Dropbox drive and uh, actually on the file server behind me in a folder. That's now documented. So all the business partners have a copy of that.
5: That's they why have a copy having... of that
3: email chain.
5: Yeah. Okay.
3: So it's documented with all the partners that you have permission for that uh, logo you created with the OS9TM on it. Mm-hmm that you have permission to do that.
4: Okay. Well, what I'm hoping is that we can actually kind of do a cross platform, um, kind of promotion there. Like uh, you guys got the community edition now as well. And I'd, I'd like to ask you a bit about that. Like what exactly does that entail you to like, is it a full version with some restrictions, what you can do with it or if you does create it software? Happen?
3: It's a full version. It, it does include Zybase 9, a demo version of Zybase 9. So it says demo down the corner or something like that. Um, And you can go to Zybase to get a license that will take that out of there. Um, They send you a couple different files, so it takes demo off the screen. Um, It's a full OS 9. It's fully, you know, the difference is all you have is the command line tools to OS 9. You don't have any of the cross development tools, source level debuggers, Hawk, um, all the tools that run like on a PC or Linux you don't have any of those tools. Uh, it does have a C compiler in it. It does have a ROM debugger in it. Um, we think we may have found the code uh, to the OS9 command line source debug. Um, but I haven't had a chance to go through it and see if I can build it yet or not. Uh, but we did take Ultra C and get it to compile so it's self-hosted. So, you know, there is ultra C running under OS nine on an arm or OS, OS nine ultra C running on a power PC. So you can sit there like on this, um, banana pie I have here behind me. Um, I can sit there on the screen with the shell and say CC and actually compile a program, compile hello world and run it and print it out. You know, and it'll print out hello world on the screen. Um, So you got all the libraries and everything, but you don't have any sources. So there's no driver sources. There's no library sources. You also don't have the tools to be able to move it to a different platform. It's a a fixed configuration. So basically the the concept is if you get OS 9 for Raspberry Pi, basically it'll be like for Raspberry Pi 3B, it'll only work on a Raspberry Pi 3B. You can't put it on Raspberry Pi 2, because it won't work. The, despite what people tell you, there's a world of difference between those two boards, uh, processor-wise and, and otherwise. Are so, you
5: familiar with our um, Cocoa Pi? We have a Raspberry Pi with um, Linux on it that runs MAME, which has okay emulators on it. Um, And uh, so if someone got this OS-9 for their Pi, would they be able to develop um, real-world things to attach to it with uh, tools in it?
3: Yep. And not just... It's got all the standard command line tools with it, so you can write programs that talk out the serial ports or I2C ports and um, manipulate the GPIO.
5: So is it possible to have OS-9 on a Raspberry Pi host a emulator? Well, it's not an emulator. (laughs) Cocoa. Well, well, um, um,
3: we're running um, OS-9 native on the R. Okay. So you could
5: run OS-9 software directly?
3: Yeah. Okay. Now, is there any uh,
4: licensing restrictions? Like, if you get the community version and you develop some software using the native tools, and then you decide to say sell, distribute those tools, is there any restrictions because you're running the community edition to doing that, or is it you can
3: sell the OS nine itself has to be licensed if you're going to redistribute it. But if you develop software, we're not restricting your software in any way, shape, or form. Okay. So if you if you write a program using Ultra-C and you want to distribute that program, have at it. I mean, we don't uh, make you buy a specific development license in order to be able to do stuff like that. Um, I mean, like we don't charge our customers licenses for the software they develop to run on their OS-9. Uh, You know, uh, our OEM customers buy an OEM version of OS-9 that gives them driver sources the ability to rebuild an OS 9 for a particular set of hardware and then distribute that, um, you don't have all those tools on the community edition. Um,
4: So you can develop user programs, but you can't develop specific hardware platforms or certain hardware add-ons or anything like that?
3: That'll be difficult to do. Um, Although we are looking at putting up like a sample SCF driver and, and maybe a couple other sample drivers up there so you can see how to build an OS-9 driver. Um, because like our Ethernet driver, well, the Ethernet driver for the x86 platform, you know, what, 90% of that code is Intel's code. Our, our SPIG, or was it SPIG the, the gigabit Ethernet driver, I mean, we have a... a an SPF wrapper around Intel code that actually runs the chip, runs their their ethernet chip. Um, so it's like, well, we're gonna put some of those drivers up on a um, Microware LP. I've got a GitHub up there or a Git server up there right now. I'm trying to work out how to do this so people can create logins to the Git to be able up to, to go in and pull stuff down and maybe even put stuff in without having to be users on the system. Uh, I'm not, uh, I, I haven't worked, I haven't had time to spend working out all how all that's going to work yet, but the plan is to have basically a source server on Microware LP to where we'll put up things like sample SCF drivers, maybe a sample RBF driver, maybe a sample network driver, probably a sample USB driver. Um, and then also allow people to check in code if they want to, you know, contribute it to the public uh, domain, um, where people can put it in and everyone else can see what's up there. Um, but the the current stuff that's being put out is, yeah, there's no um, there's no what we call ports directory, which has all the stuff you need to be able to reconfigure it to work on a different version of board. So when you get a, an, an image for like a Raspberry Pi 3, 3B, it's only gonna work on a Raspberry Pi 3B and you don't have the parts to be able to reconfigure it for a new board. The, okay. the parts aren't there for that. Um, you know, it's one of those things we were trying to debate. How do we put something out there that people could play with and be useful but at the same time, not upset our commercial customers who have paid, you know, ten thousand dollars for an OEM license for sources, so they can port this stuff onto their commercial hardware and all. So we've we've had to sort of play this game of what do we give people that's usable versus how much do we hold back so we don't, you know, we protect our our income base. And and the community edition is. I suspect it's under going to go many changes before we settle down on exactly what it is. But we, we made our first cut with the x86 V-Box version that's up there right now. Um, you could down that, download that off of the Microware site, uh, load up uh, Oracle V-Box under Windows, import the image, and and run it. And it's basically the same thing. It shows up on the ARM board, except for that's x86. That's x86 configured for VBOX.
4: Cool. Well, we suggest you suggest people should go try, you know, or they're interested in it, should go try that out. But I think we need to have a, a little bit of a break here. Um, it's been a pretty long segment, but thank you so much for giving us some of the background history and, and all of the information on what you're currently doing and where everything's going. Um, it's been a fascinating talk. So thank you very much. Not a
3: problem.
0: Yeah, when we come back from break, I I just wanted to I, I don't know if you finished the story of um, how you were helping Tandy, you know, debug the Coco when they were trying to release it. I did. We did get some feedback from John Linville who was in the live chat too. He said that the the actual um, project Green Thumb was um, a Fairchild based processor, so that maybe did not use the sixty eight oh nine. But I do remember reading in the the Boise Pete book that Motorola was influential in helping Tandy negotiate the the contracts because Motorola had a lot of experience in negotiating contracts. So, and we know we know that you know the Color Computer became the Motorola reference design. So I would like I don't know if you finished s- saying all of that, but when we when we come back from our little break here, if there was more to tell on what you were doing to help, you know, kickstart the Color Computer. Uh, wouldn't mind hearing a little bit of that and then the other thing we're going to do after that is we're going to take a look at the uh, the latest color computer version of nitrous 9 um, ease of use beta 2 um, but yeah I, this has been honestly this has been really fascinating hearing all of the the history and more important the present of of os9 because you're you're dealing with all the challenges that any operating system or application would have right now security encryption you know um All the same challenges that Windows and Linux and Mac OS face right now with updating their protocols and everything else because cyber threats are always increasing. So it's neat. I mean, it, it always has been a real operating system. Even on the color computer, it was a real operating system on that kind of a toy machine. But now today, it's more of a real operating system than it's ever been, you know, and it's doing real things. So it's really, really cool to hear um
5: you're gonna to have to remember that you said that
0: yeah yeah <laughs> all right well we're we're gonna take a just a probably a minute and a half break we're gonna run some commercials to give everybody a chance to go potty whatever you got to do but we'll be back but so did was there more to tell on the uh on the coco's uh no, i
3: think that was pretty much it on the coco stuff i mean like okay. i said once i got them up and running and got their basic hardware talking then i was back out of the loop again yeah, you know, Motorola got me my replacement parts the next day, which I yeah. never did figure out how they did that, but <laughs> obviously they, they had a stash somewhere or some Motorola engineer lost a system. Okay. But um, after that it's you know I, I recognized the product once the color computer came out. It's like, oh, that's what I was working on a year or so ago. <laughs> uh, but um yeah, once Once I helped them get started and and we actually got their, there's their hardware sort of talking. Then at that point I dropped out of the loop and, um, you know, Motorola was then working with them from that point on.
2: Neat, 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 neat.
0: Well, it's been great. And you're, you're, you're welcome to hang out. We're going to, we got more to talk about, but we will just take a break and really appreciate, um, all the time you spent with us and all the information you've shared. So we'll be back, folks, in just a few. Thank you.
5: Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk.
9: What if you could go back in time to just the right moment and ensure that Tandy won? You definitely earned this office. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind.
4: Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. Life has been a dream.
9: (laughs) But what if you went back to the wrong moment?
4: Give me that. How do you even know what that was? Listen, I don't really care about
9: these blueprints.
4: I just Say, want- Say, who are you? You want to spy for Commodore or something,
9: are you? Just move! Oh. Hey, hey! Hold the elevator! Hold the up! Stop right there! Whoa, whoa, no need for guns,
2: no need for guns! So, Mr. Andes, it seems you have stumbled upon my
5: little secret. There is no point in waiting for security.
7: I think you are about to have an accident.
9: Okay, n- no, 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 no! Coco, forever? ish 2018
2: my fellow americans australians canadians europeans and all of you Ann's, i'm calling on y- all y'all To help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8Bit256.com where you could get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says I'm a Cocoa Nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a Color Computer 3 that says I'm a Cocoa Nut. You could get yourself uh, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness. It is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Cocoa nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by PlaceboX dietary supplement. PlaceBlex We think it works. So will you.
3: It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas.
8: This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser.
3: Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please.
8: And
4: I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, Manages. It's expandable and
1: affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. sale price for Christmas only at Radio Shack.
6: We now return you to Coco Talk.
0: All right, we're back, and thank you, everybody. That was a great segment, and um, I hope I hope the segment doesn't doesn't have to end. But we're going to be talking. More about OS9 here. I need to update the bug real quick, right? So now we're going to be talking about Nitro NitroS9 Ease of Use Beta 2, which is of, uh, one of Curtis's uh, pet projects. So um, and Bill and Bill oh. Noble, and uh, you know, with our beta testers out there, like Grant Lee, he's been working on the uh, alpha testing with you. So so has. Uh, Rondelvo Ronde and a few others so um uh yeah so do you Curtis do you want to give us a little history on um what prompted the uh what do we call it now the uh, ease of use version of Nitrous Nine it was inspired I, I by someone
4: Yeah I can summarize that in two words Nick Morentes Nick
0: Morentes <laughs> Nick Morentes a big sure, big
4: Australian into the box <laughs> Actually I had a
8: third word whining, but um that's right. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do just to get people moving. <laughs> you should play your spot.
0: I know. I was trying to, but the uh, oh, the yeah, the Nick Mar- the Nick Mar- the Nick Marionettes clip. Yeah, that's probably somewhere in the playlist, but it's uh, it's up to the gods of, uh, of playlist Raymond order when that comes up. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little history. So obviously Curtis Boyle. For those who don't know, you and Bill Noble and um, Wes Gale were the the driving force behind the original Nitrous 9 version. And the the main factor of that was it was optimized for the 6309, which is the better one. So you want to take it from there?
4: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, uh, when the secret features of the 6309 chip by Atachi were revealed to North America in 1992, um, it was sent over in one of the lists. Uh, But basically, the chip had been out and discovered to have these extra features in Japan back in 1988. So, four years later, we finally heard about it in North America. And then um, I think uh, Chris Burke came out with Power Boost first, which was kind of a patch to just massage the stack to match the uh, interrupts the way the 609 native mode or emulated mode handled them. So, you could use the extra registers and TFMs and stuff, but it didn't kick it in native mode. So, it got some speed ups in specific parts, but it didn't generally speed up the whole thing. And then what we did. Uh, starting in 1992 was that we disassembled all of OS 9 not realizing Kevin Darling and others had already done that before but uh, we basically disassembled everything and got everything running in a native mode stack uh, and then we were able to kick in native mode so you get that 10 to 15 percent speed increase across the board and then start doing the 6 through 9 specific optimizations and that became a commercial product from 92 till about 2000 maybe 1999 somewhere around there and then Bill, well, Wes had already been out of it for a while. Alan DeCock joined us. So it was four of us Canadians doing this project. It hey. sold through Exposure. So there was a fifth one, if you want to call it, count, Colin McKay. Uh, but eventually, real life just got too busy. And some of us were getting a bit burned out on it because we have been kind of devoting our lives to it. So we released it publicly uh, around the 2000, 2001 mark. So Boise and a bunch of others took it over. And, you know, it's on GitHub and everything else. And then... Uh, we kind of got coerced back into it, thanks to Nick, because Nick is always complaining that you know, OS 9 was hard to understand, hard to get set up, and um, you know if you had different bits of hardware, it was hard to get the hardware working properly, et cetera. So he's, he's been bugging us for years about doing an ease of use, or at least you new know, proper documentation for ease of use or something, something to make it easier for people that are new to it. And uh, after a 15 year hiatus, I finally decided, yeah, you know what, you're right. Maybe I should try to do something about that, so. That's what kickstarted the project around when I was a 2016, 2017 when we first started getting serious about it. And then it's been in some sort of a private alpha for a few versions where we had, you know, certain people that would kind of apply to us to test it. But then we were discovering after a while that, you know, it wasn't enough testing. We needed to get it a bit more wide. So once the beta program started, it became public. And this is the beta 2 release. So this is the second fully public release. Uh, we've now set up a web page for it as well as the FTP server. I actually remembered to post about it on Facebook and Discord and the list. So hopefully we'll get some more testers on it. And uh, its main purpose is to make it easier to use. It's going to be a pre up version where you download a hard drive image and you just run it. Now, at this time, we're still limiting it to the SDC and the emulators because we want to get all the other bug fixes and optimizations done with one small core set of hardware to support. And then once that kind of gets all caught up, then we're going to expand it and start adding hard drive drivers and all the you know, other specialized stuff. Hopefully, give me X support and a few other things in the future. So this last beta two here was a couple of bug fixes. Um, the six eight zero nine version, because the graphics driver has gotten past eight K, you know, baz of three point two or something like that. <clears throat> when Boise and Robert Galt and the others were doing it, it now has a bit of had a bit of a bug where if you tried to load in the system, graph would briefly take a full 16K out of your system map, which considering your system app's only 64K and you've got every other part of the OS nine kernel in it, it would run out of room. And you had to shrink your boot file to be able to get it to boot on a 689 system. 639 version was still small if it didn't hit this problem, but it would eventually. So Bill, one of the fixes he did in this one is he actually got it. So it does everything external to the system map. So now that restriction has gone. The six eight nine version now has all the same device descriptors the 639 version has. Uh, both versions now can handle a full 16k graph drive, and we have already started expanding and optimizing stuff uh, using the extra room There's a lot more to come with that uh, Bill's already got some plans for the windowing system. I've got some plans for the windowing system uh, To add in it's uh, so a couple other minor bug fixes. We did this release. We fixed a couple utilities uh, There's a couple that uh, were just we had slightly older versions and that shouldn't have been there first place There's some other ones like ident. We actually did patches to fix uh, the main thing we did this time around, though, is that uh, I've been optimizing the uh, 6.809 version of GraphDrive because uh, the six oh nine version is quite a bit faster. And if you want to bring up those two videos I put on, Steve, you can kind of show everybody the, the difference between them.
0: Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Keep talking I then. I need a minute to find out. <laughs> yeah.
4: uh, but basically, uh, the there was already been some patches for doing fast get put buffers and stuff like that for doing graphics that like Kevin Darling did. It was called the the Christmas graph patch, a Christmas patch from 1988 or nine, I think it was. And uh, this is the first time since then we've actually sped it up even beyond that. We've learned a few things over the years. So we've sped that up. We spread up uh, overlay windows a little bit. Um, GP load, which is loading a get put buffer from a file or just you know directly that you don't have to poke stuff in. You actually just load it in through display codes. That's a bit faster. And full uh, with screen scrolling in both text and graphics modes for six to nine is a bit faster. Um, there's more optimizations to do for the 609 specifically. There's a couple of optimizations actually will help speed up the 6309 version as well that uh, I didn't just didn't have time to finish in, in for my self-imposed due date of November 30th uh, for the end of the month. So there's there's still lots more coming. And Bill's working on a new boot file editor that's all GUI based with mice and stuff. I've got to finish some other patches to the windowing system and uh, the way the mouse works. I want to try to implement Nick and Sockmaster's high res. Uh, native joystick and mouse uh, driver so it doesn't require high res uh, interface if you don't have one to access the entire 640 widescreen so hopefully that'll work out too but there's a ton of stuff g shell's getting a ton of extensions and stuff that i've got a list of literally i think about 30 things right now that are planned uh, wow. we knocked a couple off the list but we keep adding to it too so it just never, sure
0: never, sure uh, all right I, so i found two clips one of them is scroll speeds and one of them is get puffer get put buffers
4: yeah, and then I'll just put a, a basic thing here. These, The get-put buffers um, and the scroll speeds, basically I've got three windows going across to show the different situations. The left one is beta 1, 6.809 version, which is basically the 3.30 release if you guys are used to running the distribution off the repo. The middle one is the beta 2 version of the 6.809 driver, so that's got some of the speed speedups that we just added into this beta that got released yesterday. And then the right-hand side is a six three nine version, which hasn't had any real optimizations to it in beta 2 compared to previous so in this case here, you're, you're showing the screen for the uh, scrolling. The top part, the blue ones, that's the hardware text scrolling. You can see the 609 is quite a bit faster, um, and the bottom one is running in a four-color 640 mode window. So it's a 32k screen that's getting scrolled there. So, and it's basically just to show you a speed comparison. But, uh, we've, we've so increased. so
0: left screen is 6809. Beta one. Center or screen. Later six center screen is 6809 optimized and right screen is 6309
4: yeah and the top blue one is the hardware text mode and the bottom one is the 640 graphics graphics mode yeah so in the case of scrolling on the bottom that's moving 32k at a time
0: 32k bitmap graphics yeah yeah
4: and then the other demo is basically the get put buffers um with the far left showing basically the stock Christmas patch that I mentioned for Kevin Darling, the middle one is the new optimized one, and then the far right one is a 6309, all running the exact same code. And this okay. uh, demo was written in BASIC-9, so this is a basic program that's doing this, this isn't machine-like, no. Th- yeah. This one actually was a bit more impressive to me, the, the get put buffer speed on 6309 is, is noticeably faster for these. Yeah. Not close to six three oh nine, but still it's a it's a nice speed jump. I think people appreciate that. And one thing I, I one reason I'm doing I'm taking the time to do the six eight oh nine stuff. I mean I could concentrate six three nine again like I did in the old days. But I wanna have the fastest graphic subsystem we can come up with as a base level that it doesn't matter if you have a six eight oh nine or a six three nine, that people can assume you'll get at least this much speed. So if they want to start writing games. Um, just using standard calls and stuff, and not getting fancy, even in basic 9, that you will have an opportunity to come up with something that actually does look fairly impressive. So that's kind of what we're steering towards.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, because you think about it, if you if you can make the 6809 sing, you know, and and be smooth, then obviously it goes without saying that the 6309 is going to be even better. So if you start yeah. with that base optimization and then just kick it into overdrive, it's like yeah, that's a great approach. Um, I'm sure a lot of people who are um, hardware, um, uh, you know, not wanting to cannibalize their cocoa to desolder the CPU to put in the socket, to put in that Hitachi chip. So there's those people who want to keep that purity will would appreciate that. Um, Jason Downs is asking, as the, are the gimme sparkles fixed with when you're scrolling? Are not, you doing not gimme? Not tr-
4: That's one of the things I have in my list that I didn't get to. Um Okay. I know how to fix it because we had it fixed mm-hmm. the last commercial release at 2.01. <clears throat> and some 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 changes got removed over the years. I don't know exactly why. Um, or maybe maybe somebody didn't quite understand what the code was doing. They thought it was redundant or something. So they, they pulled it up. But we'll be we fixing it. Gotcha. Hey, Curtis. So
5: yep. <clears throat> most of the time that you worked on OS 9 was through the mail list before... Um, Facebook ever came around, right? So,
4: way pre Facebook. Yeah. yeah.
5: So most of the time, it was just through email that you collaborated.
4: Well, Bill and I actually we we worked together, so we collaborated. That we were actually our own beta testers because our the company we worked for ran their entire printing system on Coco OS nine. So once we did Nitrous nine, we discovered we could speed up printing and stuff, and actually gave us enough free time we were running like three line printers you know, simultaneously from different windows and assembling Nitrous 9 at the same time and another one editing source in the fifth window. So we wow. we, had, we had alternate shifts too because I would work 12 hours during the day and he'd work 12 hours in the, the midnight shift and we would just pass code back and forth. And eventually Alan, when Alan got involved, then we started emailing stuff back and forth because Alan would do a chunks of work on and we would have to reserve who's working on what. Okay, Alan, you're working on GraphDrip. Bill, you're working on the hard drive driver and Curtis, you're working on cc 30 or something like that. So we divvied it up. But at the beginning, the first I don't know how many releases of it, of it Bill and I were literally working side by side, and we you know, overlap our shifts to tell how far we got on doing something. Could you test this out while you're working tonight? So
0: wow. Well, it also sounds like now, right at at the moment, the current version of OS nine, it's it's truly global, right? Because the three partnerships are in the three different uh, what's the word? Are they continents? Or you know, we have you have North America, you've got Germany, which is in Europe, and then you've got uh, Japan. Japan, which is in Asia, so is those 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 three actual different continents. I'm I'm geographically illiterate, but I think that's the <laughs> right word, right? Um, so it is it is truly global. So like you guys had a pretty cool distributed development process there, um, and and OS nine now is is a, it's a global. Yeah. So even Nitrous uh, Nine is
4: global. I mean, if you take a look at the yeah. source code, especially since we released it to the public, I mean, it's had Boise and Robert and others from the states. It's had Bill, me, Alan, etc. From Canada, but there's contributions from people in England and yeah. Where's Tor Yeah, He's in Europe somewhere too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's it's global even with the Nitrous Nine project too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and and I have a cocoa ready to boot it up whenever you're ready. Now, I think Steve Bjork, you mentioned you've got something to show off too. So um, uh, you're muted, Steve. Looks like you're still muted. No, I'm you... not. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh,
1: in case the other people ordered them that Alan had posted.
0: Oh, the Radio Shack uh, Radio Shack had a, sh- a sale on T-shirts. And yeah, I'm glad they...
1: I ordered a size larger. They're kind of a little small, and I will have to heavily wash them with fabric softener. Ah. Okay. They're they're the old rough fabric, but uh, mm. yeah, they actually work. They they you know you 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 could order something from Radio Shack and still get it.
0: <laughs> Imagine that. Um, cool. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna switch over and I'm gonna show off my. And so what I did is I I went ahead and um, we're gonna start from scratch and we're gonna show the whole thing off on a on a real piece of hardware here. So we're now in, in a Coco three. And, um, uh, this, Are you running
4: six three nine or 6809? Uh, I'm
0: running the 6309, so I'm going to tell you what I did. And so if this, so this is proof positive that ease of use is uh, user-friendly because I was able to download it. Uh, I extracted the zip file. It was a VHD, a virtual hard disk file. I copied that to the root of my SD card, which I've now booted up on my Coco SDC. And now I'm going to, from scratch, we're going to load it, right? So when I get down here, you guys are going to see what the whole process, so it's 68, which is 68S, is that it? That's a 68,
4: 6809 version,
0: yeah. Oh, did I get the wrong version?
4: Well, either okay. it either
0: works. I mean, uh, Alright, so I'm an idiot. Okay, anyways, uh, but I downloaded it, and it's on here, and we're going to boot it, right? So here we go. We are now booting 2014, loading some standard utilities. Nitrous 9 Level 2, Ease of Use addition Beta 2, Influx, November 30th. So we need to make sure we put in the proper date. And who would have thought that, um, you know, the Cocoa would be Y2K compliant and we'd be typing in dates in... There uh, are still
4: some bits that aren't we have to fix. It.
0: <laughs> the operating so, system
4: itself is, yes.
0: So we got to make sure we get the time in here right. This is very important. We're doing important work here, so...
4: Is that UTC or... No, it's your <laughs> local time.
0: Loading 49 fonts. For the love of Pete, who thought we needed that many fonts, right? Uh, (laughs) This
4: part is actually a little bit faster. It's still slow because it's loading a ton of crap, but it's uh, a little faster. That was one of the things we optimized.
0: Couldn't you make it an even 50, Curtis? Come on, 49 fonts? Uh, Yeah, I could. You're phoning it in at this point.
4: Font and it will hit 50. but that's All also right. loading like mouse
0: pointers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So now we're at our terminal two prompt. All right. We're at shell 2.2a, shell is this plus. Still column?
4: What's that? Is this is still 32 column. What's up with no, that? No, this is 40 column at this point. 40 column. 40 by 25 at this point.
0: So here's a, here's a couple of things. If you wish to change the monitor type, you can do it from the GUI G shell or you could type in monotypes dash X where you want to replace. Uh, so X would be RGB. So I could type in monotype. Which it should be defaulted to that. It
4: defaults it defaults to RGB at this
0: point. Okay, so. and then uh, if I wanted this to jump to uh, 80 columns, is that easier to do in the GUI?
4: Actually, if you want, there's two 80 column windows running right now, so just hit clear.
0: Oh, hold on, we're multitasking. Ooh, ooh, blue and white, I like that. Oh, look at this. Yes, 80 columns. So this is That's this sharp. is. Uh, Window one and the, yeah, this these high high crisp images are courtesy of the Switcheroo, um, and then here's oh wow, window two, O's, uh, terminal O's 06, wow, so yeah so look look how quickly we just multitasked through all of that huh, um, so now what do we want to go ahead and pull up the GUI which is what you're doing for us novices who are not fluent or uh, not wanting to spend the time to type our way through things so I just type in G shell to bring up the uh, GUI. Yep. I got to spell G-Shell right, apparently. Yeah. G-S-H.
4: Now hit shift right arrow. Okay, you can do it that way too. I'm trying to get you used to all the editing features there, because I know you're, you're used to how DOS does it, and there's a fair bit of the DOS stuff in there.
0: So. Okay. And so now we've got our GUI. I'm using my Deluxe joystick to move the mouse pointer around and uh doesn't quite go to the bottom bottom of this scroll bar. I haven't
4: patched f- that yet. I I almost got that done before the deadline. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't impose deadlines on myself. Maybe I should yeah. just impose deadlines based on what I want done versus when.
0: Yes. Uh all right. So if I want to all make right, this so if, if I want to make this 80 column, what do I do? I click on the little uh square view. thing here.
4: go to the view menu.
0: Oh, view. Okay. So this is our GUI. Go to view 80 by 25 fat. Yeah. Is that what I want? Okay. So here we go. And then now if I want to look at some of the demo software, which is the main appeal to this right now, we have you can launch programs fairly plug and play. So where would I go from here?
4: Uh, DD, which is your default drive. That's the main hard drive.
0: Okay. I'm going to double-click DD. And we're browsing a window here. I will enable the... uh the uh, hourglass eventually,
4: so you can move it. I'll probably reduce how often it samples. This so doesn't slow down the load, but
0: okay. So we have apps, bbs, commands, data, defs, demos, demos docs, games, games, yeah, grfx apps. So
4: now, is your machine that you're running this on is it 512 or is it 2 meg? It's 512. Okay,
0: so what what do you recommend I pull up here, Curtis? I pull up demos, uh, dddd, ba, Baba ba, demos. Okay.
4: That's loading icons for. Okay.
0: So we got bounce, we got demo, we got GUI B demo, and we got SE maze.
4: Yeah. So bounce is the bouncing ball demo that was in that little video.
0: Okay. So should I run that? Sure. So I'm just gonna double click it. And this is the one that, since I downloaded the wrong image, I could have sworn I downloaded the 6309, but.
4: Yeah, you'll get the middle speed on this one. Um, you get the speed. middle
0: speed, which so this is the optimized 6809. I haven't one, right? figured
4: out exactly how much faster it is for this demo, but it's it's probably about 20 30% faster than the original.
0: The infamous bouncing ball demo that everyone felt was absolutely necessary to have. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this program is a compiled BASIC-9 program. So like I said, this is all basic.
4: There's no machine language subroutines whatsoever mm-hmm. in here. Legal display codes. Uh, it's ch- kind of cheating. It's it's doing page flipping. That's another thing you can do with uh, high-res. Yeah. And, uh, nine. Um, what it's doing is it's sleeping 1 of a second between each page flip because of that sparkly bug you were talking about earlier until okay. we actually get it tied properly into the clock module so it does it properly. So what it's basically doing here is it's got a pre-drawn set of eight balls at various rotations with a bit of the grid around the outside built into the get buffer.
0: Ah. It's
4: got the Mona Lisa ones. So what it does is on the screen you're not looking at, it draws the ball first, and then it draws the Mona Lisa so that it always goes over top of the ball. You'll actually notice okay. it down a little bit when it's drawing both because it has a check. Is the ball where the Mona Lisa is? If it's not, go full speed. If it's under the Mona Lisa, then draw the Mona Lisa over top of Okay. But basically it's moving about, I can't remember what the size of the buffer, it's 80 something by 70, 16 color. Okay. So it's a pretty good size get put buffer it's doing. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's actually only drawing it once every 1.30 second it actually has a sleep call to tell the system to go to sleep to let the video hardware settle
0: between each page flip. Wow. Cool, how do I get out of it? Break?
4: Hold down start? the enter key.
0: What is it? Hold down the enter key. Hold down the enter key. Okay. There you go. Cool. I just tried using my PC mouse here for a second, but yeah, so that's, I was so fooled into thinking this was a real operating system. I tried moving my computer <laughs> mouse.
4: Uh, <laughs> R232 RS- pack with a serial mouse. You can do that. So. Yeah.
0: All right. What's next?
4: Um, you can run demo itself. That's the built-in multi-view demo that uh, came with multi-view. Okay. This one you can resize. I, I won't let you do the very bottom of the screen, unfortunately, but... Uh,
0: so, how do I resize it? Okay, so if yep. I want to do this. Demos. Point to, point to demos on the menu bar. Okay. Circles, lines, bars quit, huh? Oh, and it does it within the size of the window that I defined, yep.
4: huh? OS 9 and Nitrous 9 level 2 for the cocoa actually has built-in scaling, which you can turn on or off. Like, if you want absolute coordinates, Within whatever size window you got, you can do that. But you can also say, you know, pretend everything's 640 or 320 wide, depending which mode you're in, no matter what size you make the window, and it'll scale everything, all your mm. commands within that. So that's what it's doing in this case.
0: Wow. Ooh, I like and, it.
4: And the bar command is optimized too. I don't know if you've tried it in Extended Basic or Super Extended Basic. It's a hell of a lot slower there.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is fast. Yeah. Very cool.
4: And I might be able to speed that up, too. I haven't fully looked into it yet. But yeah,
0: lines be. are pretty quick. And am I in RGB mode? Because these colors are kind of wonky.
4: Yeah, this is the what the default color set that Tandy picked. But um, okay. the first four colors are black, white, blue, and green, which is kind of gross. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So
4: one thing I'll be adding to g I haven't done it yet, is that you'll notice why I've got a gray scale here. I mean, you can change it to more like an Amiga style if you want like white, black, red, and blue or something like mm-hmm. that. Um But I'm going to have it so that you can set each individual application so that it can either use the system standard palettes, which is what that demo you just ran did, which is the ugly green, blue, white, black. Or you can tell it to inherit whatever you've set G-shells palettes to. So then if you fire up some of these apps or calendar, you can say use the gray scale, or if you decided to pick some other colors, you can actually override it.
0: Okay. Cool. Should, Should I run GUI B demo or no?
4: You can if you want. I mean, we've demonstrated that I think before. It's it's a basic 9 subroutine package for doing a bit fancier stuff. And actually, Bill is thinking about trying to implement some of this right Ooh, into the main operating system itself.
0: Look at this, this is a full mouse pointer. Yep. Gwib. Okay, Gwib can create different types of windows. Raised, dropped, etched, carved, frame, picture frame, and shadowed. Gwib also allows the user to divide the screen in horizontal vertical etched lines. All right, so it's a library, huh? Raised, etched, framed, dropped, carved picture frame, shadowed. Need get, continue.
7: Need to get Hugo De Fort to Defort uh, to contribute to this. You might have some yeah. cool ideas.
0: Yeah, and so the mouse pointer is just uh, inverted, huh? Yeah. Okay.
4: It's the fastest way to do it, and yeah, it works. I'll, I'll see if we can actually change that to have full overlay, but
0: Grab can also create various types of squares. Huh? Oh, this is cool. Yeah. So this is a this is a little uh, GUI tool, huh? Yeah, and basically
4: it's it's a base nine library, so you can call functions in here to do all mm-hmm. these types of drawing. You see the little dilapidated diamond? That's because some uh, scaling stuff was changed in NitroSign over the years that uh, kind of broke it.
0: <laughs> mm, okay.
4: Put that on the to-do list. Yeah, it is. It's on the to-do list.
0: Vertical and horizontal scroll bars, huh? Ah, look at that, huh? And so that you can it.
4: actually click on the, to move them around and stuff. So.
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, I some mean, of this functionality is built into the main operating systems itself, but not quite as fancy as this. And okay. one of Bill's projects is he's going to try to implement some of this stuff into the native operating system so that you don't need an external library, but that's, that's going to take a bit of time. So.
0: Okay. Now here's your 80 column version of that. Yep. All right. So how do I get out of this? You're just about
4: done. So I think actually when you quit, quit. quit you're done.
0: Right, neat. Super neat. And then to get back up one level, what do I do?
4: Uh, you can click the close box.
0: Here? In the DD top left hand corner?
4: Or you can just click DD to go right back to the root directory.
0: Now is these single clicks and not double clicks?
4: Uh, For those, yeah.
0: Okay. So we're able to fairly quickly boot up to an OS 9 prompt, type in G shell, get to a GUI file manager, which makes um, um, launching software a little bit easier. You've added icons, so it's just kind of this is like basically, like this is this is like a very Windows three one type experience right now. You know?
4: Yeah, I mean, even the AIF files it uses to determine what icon to display with what programs and what extensions is kind of like the old PIF was in Windows three. If you remember those. Yeah.
0: So this is taking a little while to build here. I guess it must be a yeah, lot of stuff in Yeah, this is something I have
4: to look into. Basically what happens here is that it's, it's reading and it goes, is it a normal file? Well, then it knows what to kind of display the generic icons. But if it's a custom one, it has to load the file in to figure out what icon needs to get displayed. Go load the icon and then associate extensions with that. And in, in the games directory here, you've got quite a few icons. It has to load all of those individually. Yeah. i got to figure out a way to speed that up.
0: Well, I want you to just do like Windows does. Just do right mouse click, properties, and then hit change icon. <laughs> <laughs> well right now
4: right mouse click is broken
0: so i'll <laughs> so, excuses here so there are um so there are actual preloaded games too so rick adams shanghai is here and this one is also a patch for the alternate color set where you can get to that without finding the hidden pixel right yeah. um rogue is here and rogue is one that you've been working on and have more work to do as well
4: yeah, like right now I've patched it. Like the original Rogue, if you want to run it in a graphics window, you can resize the window, but if it's not running full screen, it defaulted to the standard font, just text. Okay. I've patched it so that no matter what size graphic window you run it in, it'll use the graphic font.
0: Okay. Now I notice you've got an interbank folder here. Does this run right now?
4: Uh, not quite yet. Okay. Some, some of those games, if you do a bunch of change directories and change execution directories and stuff, will run. I, that the whole point of ease of use is that you shouldn't have to worry about how to do all that. Right, 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 so right. Because the, the, the extensions we're adding is to make that a hell of a... The whole
0: short. thing with the interbank was that was more VDG-based, and there's something different with certain yeah. VDG-based games to work.
4: Yeah, basically you have to make sure it launches in a VDG-based window, which means you have to change the window type or actually hard-code a certain window descriptor name, which you don't want to do. You want to make it generic, so you can just double-click and fire multiple ones in a row. And that's part of the G-Shell changes that are planned
0: okay and i so notice you've got some of the sierra games in here so you've you've got um you know, biosphere black cauldron uh carmen okay. san diego flight sim 2 gold rush interbank coronas rift king's quest 1 2 and 3 and 4 uh come guy to be ninja laser shoot larry so the so the sierra games do those plug and play too or they have some of the same they're, they're
4: not plug and play yet that's they're in there right now because they're going to be once i fix g shell okay to to do okay so it's kind of like preparing for the. Uh, yeah,
0: should I fire up Rogue so people can see what's been improved sure. on it right now? All right, so we're going to double click U. Now, does this give me an opportunity to size it initially? Yeah. And I yeah. kind of and I kind of want to size it maximized. Like, why would you want to be a weenie and only have a part a partial screen? Well, right? if
4: you want to run the clock or something, so you can make sure you're not running late to get to work because you're too busy playing Rogue.
0: Yeah, Epics. Press spacebar. Rogue's name. And I'm going to go ahead and say that my name is Grant. Alright, so. Alright, and so this, uh, hello Grant. Welcome to the Dungeons of Doom. And this defaults with the font. Like where before you had to do, so you had to run a different program from a command line to load yep. in the graphics font. I remember that. And if that. you
4: resized it, it still wouldn't do it. It would just, yeah. now so if you did resize it, it, it still Holy
0: shit, do it's fast, dude. I I never, I guess because Grant's lost a lot of weight now. He's quite speedy. Look at this guy here.
9: That
0: son of a bitch just ran from one side of the room to the other, man. Stevie,
4: you're in fast mode, (laughs) too. You're in fast mode, too, so it means when you tap an arrow key to move, it will go to the next part where you you would stop, like a door or a wall or something. You can shut that off by hitting Shift-F. Shift.
0: Okay, so now if I want to, you know, single step my way through here, I can. And this is basically, this is just text, right? So this is 80 column text, but it's in a graphics mode, so the fonts can be redesigned, right?
4: Yeah, you're currently running in the 640 by 192 by 4 color mode.
0: Okay. And um, so the fact that this guy looks like a stick figure, he's really just a single character on the screen, text character. What does B mean? What does B mean? Bat. It's a bat. The the monsters are all How do I fight? Just run into them. Oh, yeah? You swing and swinging a mess swing bada. you you barely missed the bat. I tell you I'm on the edge of my seats here um, I noticed <laughs> you hit the bat and I must have killed the bat you've defecated oh you defeated the bats <laughs> 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 re- re- reading is fundamental apparently um, is there anything you have to do to run on drive wire Mark Bosley is asking
4: um like I mentioned before we're keeping the the base hardware platform, just the SDC and the emulators for now, just to make it easier to debug. If I introduce a whole bunch of different things at once, it becomes hard to figure out where's the bug. Is it a DriveWire issue? Is it a SDC issue or whatever? Uh, It does work with DriveWire. I mean, Bill runs it that way himself when he's doing his development stuff. So, I mean, if you're somewhat familiar with Nitrous 9, you can definitely run it off DriveWire. And I think there's some other distributions like Barry's done and a few others that actually are natively supporting DriveWire. We are going to be adding that, but like I said, I want to keep the... Number of different things to a minimum until we get everything fully up to where we want it to be. It's what makes it easier to bug.
0: Yeah. And now, are they were these procedurally generated? Where it was always different?
4: Yes, it's completely randomized every time.
0: Okay. Now, E is a bad guy. Yeah. Every letter is a bad guy. Emu. An emu. Isn't that like a little freaking llama-looking thing? An emu? It's kind of like an ostrich, isn't it? I don't know. A kestrel. Yeah, they look more like an ostrich. So I would imagine – the so the challenge becomes that because it's using the letter K for a bad guy, if you were to change the letter K to be like a picture of – or letter B to be a bat, then you can't print the letter B on the screen, right? So you almost have to use non-alpha characters if you wanted to update this to use uh, yeah. pictures for monsters. Now that is, that, that a, is
4: a plan I have. I've, I've actually talked to yeah. David. We try to devise 26 unique-looking monsters when you've only got an 8x8 pixel grid. is yeah. a bit of a challenge. But because of I, we added extended font support, like the standard fonts in OS 9 originally for graphic fonts was supported the same 128-character set that the gimme does. Is this um, a
0: frickin' cobra here? What is this thing here? That's a scroll. Oh, okay. All right, how do you, like, pull up your inventory to know what you've picked up and all that kind of I crap? I have inventory. Oh, that's how quaint. Oh, the keyboard, how quaint. Um, oh, I have two rations of food I scroll titled Fimnaf half juza is this a word scramble problem here or what When going you on? first
4: find scrolls it, they just have random gibberish words mm-hmm. and then you have to identify the scroll or read it and then try to guess what it means and then name it yourself
0: if you okay. can guess a plaid a plaid potion an orange potion a gold potion chain mail how do you do you equip armor or the fact that you're carrying it you mean you're already equipped
4: well, it says being warned, because you're right now you're carrying two. You've got a chain mail and you've got a ring mail. You're currently wearing the ring mail.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, attack plus one, mace, weapon in hand, short bow and arrow. See, I have no idea how to work this. So how would you try to um, read the scroll or learn the scroll? R for read. R for read. And this is going to automatically read whatever I have?
4: I, it'll, I think, give you a list of what you okay, have. Okay, now I read.
0: have B. Okay, now what? You read the scroll; it vanishes. The scroll is an identity scroll, and now, now, it, oh, the, and now it's a scroll of identity. Yeah. Now, in select, this case,
4: because you don't know what the potions are, if you pick one of the potions, it will tell you exactly what type of potion. It so, is. like,
0: so, like a plaid potion. If I hit C for plaid potion. Yep. Okay, and now I have to hit I for inventory. Okay, a potion, a potion of poison. Ooh. So I go yep. back to. Don't
4: drink that one.
0: Okay. But and you so can throw if, it at a monster. Now if, I, now, if I want to identify something else again, do I, can I do that?
4: Not until you get another identify scroll. Oh, so it only—it
0: only, it's, only, it's a single use,
4: huh?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a little bit to learn how to play this game. But I know this game is very popular with a lot of people. They love the rogue. What Yes, cross-platform 2 is on just about everything. Yeah. This one, invented, didn't it like originate on a mainframe or something like that originally or something like I that? I
4: think so, yeah. Okay,
0: so now I've reached a dead end here, allegedly, right?
4: Well, it could be a secret passage, but unlike Daggereth, we can just walk through it. You have to actually search for it to find the door, which is what the S key does. And another thing that Rogue has is if you punch a number before you do a command, it'll do it that many times. So if you hit, like, 9S, it'll search nine times in a row because sometimes it takes a few tries. And there may, it may be a dead end. I mean, I don't know for sure.
0: Okay, because it's random.
4: Yeah. You can also okay. use that for moving. Like, if you hit nine and then hit the left arrow, you run nine spaces until you run. Right.
0: Okay. So for those who rogue fans, it's it's on the EOU distribution. It's there. It's Oh, I just got a freaking cash flow. Did I kill his ass? I guess I did. He said, I'm freaking a badass. My name is Grant. I'm a freaking badass. Um, All right. What is this thing here? Oh, these are stairs?
4: Yeah, F1 to go down.
0: And what is this? Another freaking bad guy? in emu. All right. So F1 goes down? Yeah. Mm. Did it? I hit F1. I'm still here. You sure it's F1?
4: Can you hit? hit the,
0: oh, there all right, you go. There you go. All right. Cool. All right. So, yeah. All right. So, we've seen enough of this. How do I get out of this now? I know I could hit clear. Shift Q. Shift Q. You wish to end your quest now? Yes. Yes. Thank you. You're too um, All right. And now we're back. And the ease of use. So, there's lots of stuff on here. So, if somebody wants to just double click around and play with some games and look at some demos, you've yep, made it fairly easy for files. them.
4: There's files you can view. There's uh, some sound sample files, digitized sound samples you can play.
0: So, if so I go back to DD. Yeah. You really got to so work Curtis, on this. Did
4: you remember to put Christy Brinkley on there? No, I leave that as an exercise up to the user.
0: All right, so where should I go? Pictures sound, rainbow.
4: Uh, go to sound, do you have your sound shared that we can hear it or?
0: Uh, it should be, yeah. This now this is a double click here, right? Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah, if you just select it then you can select the files menu and like, you know, do stuff on the files. Okay, I
0: got Coco Talk. Wow. So we want to play this? Sure. Now this one I won't be able to hear the whole thing cuz I don't have 2 megs, right? Right. Okay. It will
4: play as much as you have free memory for.
0: All right. So we're going to sit here and try to play the Coco Talk. nice can you guys hear it i can this is coco talk the world's leading live chat show not hosted by grant (laughs) (laughs) Leedy. uh very cool so we got a little sampling there we got to hear coco talk as played on a coco uh Ah, uh, we gotta have more cowbell. We gotta hear what this one here is, so let's see. Ding ding. Okay. So game over. Is Max. this is this Bill Pullman? Game over, man. Game over. Is this the Game over, man? Yeah, it's been a little down, uh kind of slowed down a little bit. David Letterman.
4: Yeah, some of the ones have embedded <laughs> speed option. Yikes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Some of them have embedded speed
4: speed options rather than actually using what the original file had. And uh, they were hard coded for 6 through 9. So the 6809 versions right now are running a bit slow. I have to go and patch some of that.
0: Okay. Uh, um, So Nick was saying. Let
4: let the file format itself tell you, like the WAV files usually just read the header and go, that's the speed I need to play it at, like what hertz rate. Whereas some of these Mac ones, because they're really old style, were actually hard coded for the Coco 6 through 9 years and years ago for saying, Mm. you know time delay this much between a sample and, and CPU cycles. So right now they're playing 609 base speed estimates on a 6809, so it's a bit
0: slow. Okay, how do you go back one step though? Will backspace take me back, or if I want to go back one level?
4: Oh, just go back, yeah, that little close box right there.
0: Okay, which in this case here, it might have been faster just to click on DD anyways. That's about the same well. so that was um So that was sound, so now we want to look at pictures. You have some graphic samples in here.
9: Now, I, I did
4: get pointed out a bug. Um, the extension, like it's ba- based on the three character extensions. So unfortunately, we I've got .Mac right now for Mac Pictures and I've got .Mac for sound. So it gets hopelessly confused if you actually try to switch between the two. So I have to fix that on the next beta.
0: Okay. My part. I got to say it loads things up really quick.
4: <laughs> well, it's, the thing is it loads up all these icons the first time it encounters them. Well if you go back ah, up, okay. it's much faster because it goes, Oh, I know what those are.
0: So what what do I need to click on here?
4: Uh, one of the folders. Now, GIF, only one of them will display properly because uh, the other ones are meant for a new version of you I haven't quite finished yet. Okay. MGE is like ColorMax. Um, VEF is a native OS 9 format. So, if you so want just tell me one, one, to one, one, one to
0: pick. I have no idea what I'm looking yep, sure. for. Yeah, sure. MGE. These are some ColorMax photos, huh? Title, victory, victory two, win, win two?
8: Yeah, pick one, whatever. You, you need a new icon there.
0: It's a Mona Lisa in the dark. was what it looks like there. So, <laughs> Oh, Shanghai title screen. Okay, now because it's not full here, as part of it's cut off on the bottom. Yeah,
4: that's because it's a 200 line and the gimme actually displays 199. to <laughs> a little bug in the gimme chip.
0: Ooh. Okay, cool. And you just click to get out of that. Okay, that's yeah. cool. So this is basically, this is you you double-click it, and it launches a built-in um, image viewer. Yeah. And that's the Victory Dragon?
4: Yeah, that's the final one I think you used in the game, if I remember. I think the original Amiga version, which has a much bigger dragon, is actually in there. Some one of those pictures, too.
0: Victory 2, MG.
4: I don't remember which is which, but... Yeah, that's the original victory screen from the Amiga. Okay. The one that Rick tried his damnedest to fit into the ROM size. Stand he said they wanted, and he couldn't quite do it.
0: Okay. And then we have a victory three. No fire. Okay. I got with and without fire. Yeah. Interesting. So we're looking at pictures on a cocoa. Okay, that's in a window. Okay. Cool. I yeah. if I go... So there's
4: just some tweaking like I said, I have to do there. The the view utility for doing GIFs that are smaller than the full size of a screen. Isn't quite working yet. It is working on the 639 custom version that I do have on there, but it's got some other bugs I gotta fix first. So it's state of flux, just like the rest of the project, basically.
0: Okay, these are, this is Color Max 3, CM3. Uh,
4: CM3 is Coco Max 3.
0: Coco Max 3, okay.
4: And these are actually some um, screenshots that are part of the uh, Pack Dude 3D Monster Maze RS ah. DOS
0: game. Okay. Cool which
4: I pulled actually from his source code.
0: Neat, 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 neat. So we got image viewing. What's VEF? So that's the OS9 native format?
4: Yeah.
0: Empty tiles. Ah.
4: This, the Alan DeCock did this when he when he converted, like, builded the original port of Shanghai to OS9, and then Alan added in the ability to create your own custom tile sets. And this is the template you use to fill in what you draw, and then you can import that into Shanghai and mm. play with your own tile sets.
0: Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And then if I wanted to switch terminals, I could hit clear and switch my terminals.
4: Yep. And if you type proc in any of those, you can actually see all the processes currently running.
7: That's pretty fast on the switching.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and this is a 6.809 version. It's actually faster than the
0: 6.309. Neat. Mate, well, ease of use, everybody. You've seen it here. Is there anything else we need to show off?
4: Um, not not like I said, there's not too much new. This is more bug fixes and some and patches and stuff, uh, and speed ups. Um, the command line history and stuff there. I guess since you've,
0: uh, yeah. you know, ah yeah. Like okay, and one, one, one more thing, so we don't put Ron to sleep. But <laughs> um, Ron, where what where is that um, planetarium program that you use in here? But under apps, the, it's the in apps. under apps, I want to take a look at that planet thing that Ron likes. I want to be able to pull up a picture of my anus. Um, do it again, <laughs> Planet Engine. So I just double clicked the one that's mm-hmm. called Planet. Exactly. Then you have to resize like you did with the other one. Uh, that's a pain in the ass.
4: Yeah. You can you can change that if 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 you want to force it so it always comes the same size. You can change the AF to do that. It just that any program that actually allows you to resize, because some are hard coded for a full size screen, then at least you can run you can decide yourself which way you want to do it.
0: Okay. And because I put in the actual date and time and year uh, when I boot it up, this should be giving me some real stuff, right, Ronnie? Yes.
5: Yep. You should see the moon. Somewhere along the line. So there. when
0: I look at my anus it's gonna look exactly like it does now, right? So mm-hmm. I don't wanna... depends if you're
5: That's good, an app I don't want to see. If you're good at doing the paperwork. <laughs> Stevie you would probably
2: block out the
0: universe. Uh-huh. And there's the moon. Is that
5: and the, the sun. Oh,
0: where is the moon here? This is this the moon and the sun here, these little ones? Uh
5: the, the, the moon is actually it's in front of it. It's already set it's it would be before Venus to the far right
0: okay so here's Venus so here's the Sun I see the Sun here Sun
5: and and Mercury's next to it mm-hmm and then there's Mars to the now left. can we zoom in on this no but you can go up to planets click on planets and you can zoom in on the planets
4: and I think it shows you the phase of the planet as viewed from Earth, too, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: There's Uranus. There's Uranus. Featureless. Okay. Click to exit. And if I want to look at um, what Mars looks Jupiter's like right now. Jupiter good to see. Jupiter? Yeah. Oops, I just hit Saturn by mistake. Well, Saturn's okay. cool, too. Yeah. And this is showing us where it should be in its rotation right now, right? Yeah, the angle of the...
5: the um... Rings. At some point in the future, the rings will be straight across. You won't be able to see them. Hmm.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so so it's
4: you see them right now if you had a telescope on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So right now it's kind of tilted, but eventually it would straighten out. Would just be a straight line across the middle yeah. of the circle and stuff. it yeah, from... would flip downward. Downwards. Now, does this support pinch and zoom? If I want to, um uh, just kind of. Yeah. No. (laughs) I can't swipe or anything like that or just stretch it out. That's
4: when we do the virtual reality update.
0: (laughs) You know, just you get so used to the features of an operating system. I'm used to double tap and stretch and pinch and rotate and none of that, huh? Pinch and zooming (laughs) keeps me awake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can I click on a planet? Like if I just wanted to see Venus, could I I click on it? No, go to settings. You can see
5: the... um, Planets in their orbits.
0: No, no. So, what do I do? Display Orbit. orbits. Orbits. So this is where this is where they are right now. Huh? You see
5: uh, Pluto on the left there. Yep. Yeah. Back a few years, Pluto was the. Um, Eighth planet and uh, Neptune was the last planet because the orbit goes inside the or- orbit. It was actually closer.
0: You see? Oh, I really? So, so there? the ring, the rings, So the the Pluto ring would have been inside of the Neptune ring. Yeah, it's actually on the inside for
5: about twenty years or so. Twenty four years, it was uh, closer than um,
4: Neptune. Yeah. Out of its 248-year rotation around the. Planet, now,
0: has this you know, been updated to recognize if Pluto is actually a planet or a planetoid? <laughs> or it shows as a planet. It shows <laughs> as a planet. Okay, yeah, so it, it yeah. proves
4: that Neil deGrasse Tyson's wrong. Is what it does. That's <laughs> what
0: it does. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and I Nick hope Mer- he hears that. Now, will this if could, can we could we change the time on this to be able to see Haley's comment? if we told it we happen to be. At a time where one of those things yeah, where it would show it, you it that won't stuff, show up because it's not programmed to show up. Okay. Um, will this one show um, the uh, planet killer? Like when when we're going to get hit by the big one? It's going to take us out. Can we see that yeah, coming?
5: It's the only extra feature it does have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the doomsday meteor
5: that's going <laughs> to. Uh, you could do a screen print and draw all kinds of stuff. Yeah, just kind of like you did with your high score, right there, exactly. Mr. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. you
0: are good. Uh, which honestly, I didn't. I gave you full benefit of the doubt when you yes, first you posted did. it until you came back and said, yeah. "Hey, Picture's um, I tried uh, to give you hints, but it's okay." Listen, I'm pretty dense. All right. So now that's cool. So yeah, I mean. The whole idea of the ease of use version is oh processes are still active. What processes? Well, look are at still all active? the stuff it needs to make that work. Oh, this is still active. So how do I get out of that?
4: Hit the mouse button.
5: Nice. Should
0: be able to quit G Shell. Now I should be able to quit G Shell. So this is ease of use beta two. Easy to download. Extract it. Extract it to a zip file. To extract. It, it is a hard drive image that will work on uh, VCC or MAME or it will run on a real Coco SDC as yeah. on a real Coco.
4: One thing I will mention is if you're running on the SDC, you just need the hard drive image. If right. you're running on MAME or VCC, you need the floppy boot image because it has the virtual hard drive driver that those emulators use. Mm. So it that's, has that's a little floppy boot first, then it kicks onto the hard drive.
7: Okay,
5: That's what I
4: got to work with VCC. Oh.
5: I added some pictures to mine by uh, going using the GUI there, and I'd hit uh, file, and then I'd hit copy and type in um, commands to take from uh, drive D.
0: Oh, did you, speaking of commands, did you want me to show off the command line thingy that you were talking about, Curtis, where you can?
4: Well, yeah, it's more for your benefit because I know you you much prefer having command history and command line editing, so.
0: Okay, so give me an example of something I should do right now. <laughs> um,
4: hit, hit the up arrow, for example. That goes back to your history.
0: Okay, like g show. g show. that's all I got right now.
4: Apparently that's the only command you've typed on that particular yeah.
0: screen. Yeah, so if I clear over, there's one of them here that, okay, I did proc, I did dir, I did proc and dir. Yeah. Okay.
4: The one difference between this and Windows, Windows by default, you hit return when it's displayed and it immediately executes command. On this one, you have to hit shift right arrow first to get to the end of the line. Which is it's kind of a mix between which is better, it's just whatever you're used to basically, because this makes it easier for you to, if you, want to off. if
0: you want to edit before. Uh, okay.
4: uh, now, let's let's do a slightly longer command do a uh, dir space slash dd slash commands,
0: dir space slash um, dd slash commands. Is it cmds? Yeah, okay, so here are operating system commands.
4: Yeah, and games and everything else. It's quite a few. Quite yes. a few. There are. Yeah. Wow.
9: So okay. now if you hit the
4: up arrow, mm-hmm, and you can right arrow, left arrow to go through it, mm-hmm. shift left arrow, shift right arrow, takes you nice. to the very beginning, the very end, if you want to instantly mm-hmm. jump. Mm-hmm. And then control arrow, left arrow, and right arrow will insert and delete.
0: Control. Okay, so the if I wanted arrow. to, instead of I hit control, control, right arrow.
4: Right arrow to insert and control left arrow to delete.
0: I got to find a name control key and that deletes. Okay. So if I want to delete a bunch of crap here, I could do that. Yeah. So
4: that gets quite convenient when you're, you would get a bunch of things changing between directories and stuff or changing commands with Mm -hmm. different options.
0: Power. how many of Nick Morrenti's games do we have here under the uh, G show?
4: None, but we have a couple of his icons. <laughs>
0: we do have Nick Morrenti's contributed icons, though.
4: Yeah, the trash can was his. The printer was very slightly modified by him, and some of the sound file—actually, most of the sound file ones—I think were his too.
0: And was the yeah. uh, was the trash can inspired by his feelings of where uh, OS nine should be placed?
8: Um, It's probably important to note How many programs did you just run How many times did they crash And uh, Straight off you know EOU is a success Yeah I mean I would never have been able To do all that Back in the day Previously to this Can you show us Easter eggs Easter um, eggs?
4: Yeah, there's not a ton of them in there. Um, I'll just I'll mention one other thing here, just because you happen to be on this particular screen. This is actually using the six-character font, so you're actually in 106-column mode right now. Okay. So you have 106 characters across by 25 down. Uh, as far as the Easter egg, um, the Easter egg in the shell only shows up if you've fired up a shell for the very first time. So we'll have to create a new one because you've typed in all the various shells you've got going right now. So if you want to just type shell space, I equals.
0: Hold on, I got to find out how to do equals on a Cocoa keyboard. Okay.
4: Slash W four ampersand. Okay. Okay. Hit return. And then hit clear until you get to the W four window. W1, W2, W4. Hit Shift Right Arrow.
0: Shift, Right Arrow. Nitrous9.org. Ah. So that's the that's the uh, buffer that's already yeah. been put in there, huh?
4: The original Micro One actually had K Kaplan, R Dog, and I can't remember the third guy's name. Some of the original developers of OS9 probably uh, Alan could have told us better. Um, and then the Nitrous9 commercial version actually had B Noble, my name, and I think Alan or was it last? I can't remember. But we had our names as a bit of a vanity easter egg
5: no graphic with your uh, large logo behind your head <laughs>
4: <laughs> no i i have much more better things to use all the extra RAM for than yeah that this yeah just takes a few
0: um so i believe somebody's asking is this captured this is ca- yeah this is captured from a coco 3 that i'm running this through the sutureu uh, rgb to scart and then um, and then uh, scart to hdmi and it's an hdmi capture so yeah uh, Real Coco 3, and this is what the switcheroo looks like, right? You get our, yeah, it looks pretty good. Uh, neat, 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 neat. And I've actually, so now I just need to download the right version because I, yeah, my dumbass, my dumbass downloaded the wrong freaking version, right? So, um,
7: yeah, it's just a classic I well.
0: Yeah. Ah, Brian says he just got the t shirt from the Radio Shack website. Nice. Yeah, it's like I've tried to stay away from using any of these trademark copyright logos to to try to put on a T-shirt. I just figured it's probably best not to do that. Um, But that's cool that they're out there. You don't want to be in jail. No, you know. Um, So, yeah, this has been a really heavy OS 9 episode. And what are we going on right now for time? How long have we been doing this nonsense? Almost Uh, three hours. Almost three hours. And um, yeah, my head hasn't exploded. (laughs) <laughs> I got. I gotta say, listen. You know, OS nine. Not everybody's a fan of OS nine, uh, or and I think part of it is just lack of exposure or lack of understanding of it. Um, and so, and it, hopefully, it
4: is difficult to set up, especially if you had custom hardware. I mean, it was not yeah. easy. And Bill's working on a program to fix that too, to make it easier, and then you know, the ease of use in general is to have everything pre-set up so that you don't have to worry about how to build AF files and what directories should be in what and, and what attributes. So set.
0: yeah, like kind of like in a way, it's kind of like what Ubuntu can do for you. where you don't have to necessarily know a lot about Linux to be up and running with it. So with Ubuntu you can install an OS, you can be at a desktop, you can be at a GUI and just kinda of point and click. It's real real easy to install software through a GUI. You can just search for a product and add it you don't you can use ubuntu and never have to know how to use a command line interface at all yeah. and, well, it always the same way cuz you do yeah, have yeah. so but if you want to under the hood there is a whole linux kernel there's the you know you can do bash and scripting and bin bash all that kind of stuff you can run python you can just do a variety of stuff on Linux, if you want to, and the same here. So obviously, you can now develop in here, right? You've got the basic 09, which you're continuing to yep. the assemblers optimize. Assemblers are in there. The C assemblers in.
5: are in there. So, so are we like in the early days of uh, OS9, you know, Nitrous 9, basically? You know, it's going to well, mature. The
4: early days, I guess of the ease of use version. I mean, Nitrous 9 has been out since 92, so.
0: So let me ask you this, Curtis, the, how are you developing for this? Are you cross compiling? Are you uh, using Edtasm on the actual Cocoa?
4: Well, it's not Edtasm, but right, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ASM assembler <clears throat> and basecon 9, I'm actually using natively on the Cocoa itself. Now, I sometimes run an emulator, especially main because of the debugger, if I'm trying to just, dis- you know, disassemble or debug uh, machine language code. And, of course, you can unlock the, uh, the speed so you can tell it to run full throttle. And uh, basically, I keep, if I'm assembling a really large program, then I'll usually tell it, you know, run at 89 megahertz, assemble it. And, you know, graph drive, I think, takes about a minute and a half, two minutes to assemble on a, a real Coco 3. And it takes about four to five seconds on VCC with it at max speed. Hmm. So I'll do the assembly on that and then I can actually you know, run it on, on the real Coco. But the code is fully capable of assembling on the real Coco. And I have done that, especially on smaller bits because it doesn't take that long to assemble a small program like a Hello World type thing is, is actually quite quick. Base Nine, I pretty well all have done natively on the Cocoa because it's I just run an editor in one window and just load it the other, and it just takes a second or two. It's, there's no speed difference really.
5: So you don't think in five years, uh, a Nitrous So Nine will look completely different?
4: Um, I mean, there'll be a, what do you mean by completely different? I be, mean, I might improve the GUI some more. Yeah,
5: I mean it'll it, it'll just have a different look. I mean, you, you won't, when you go to G shell, you won't necessarily go to a a file system, right? You might go to a, a three or four windows all in one,
0: maybe instead. So, are you asking, are we going to be booting to a desktop now, like Windows yeah, that's does? A, that's and so, okay.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. No, you can actually do that right now if you just edit the startup file and just tell it to fire G shell on its own without.
0: But that. but see but see G Shell is basically it's a GUI based file browser and file launcher. It's not right. like a it's not yeah, a it's desktop like file manager and program manager. Yeah. So along. so would Sorry. it ever would OS nine ever evolve to the point where you booted to a GUI based desktop and it was a GUI OS? Well, you could. I that, mean,
4: right now you I have it defaulting, so it fires up shell,
0: the text shell, shell. which is the current, I could change which is that to
4: run G Shell, and it'll automatically kick into G Shell, and the sh- regular shell never shows up.
0: Right, but but again, G-Shell is not really a desktop-based operating system. It's just a file manager. Would there be like a GUI-based, like, like the equivalent of a Windows desktop or even a Windows 3.11 interface where you could launch icons from program? I don't know. Is that yeah, what you're if, asking, if you, Ron? If you wrote yeah, a graphical exactly.
4: GUI as your default startup program, then yes.
0: Okay, but has that ever existed? Has there been a GUI-based, not G-Shell, but has there been a GUI-based way to use... OS nine as a quote unquote GUI OS like a, like the X Windows for you know Linux and stuff like that.
4: Um, I mean, there's M shell, but that's kind of a text based one. That's when Bill Pierce does. Um, it's
9: the multi view was that.
4: Well, multi view G shell is part of multi view. It's just this yeah. is fairly enhanced from the Well, the multi-view.
5: the only difference really then is those icons on the side for drives. If those weren't there, and those you would call up later or something. That's the only difference, because otherwise, um, you know, you have some, uh, you know, the view is different. Um, You don't necessarily have a view on a, um, well, maybe you do on a file system.
0: I guess... uh,
4: Basically, it's whatever you want to program, I guess. Yeah. So, app.
0: so there hasn't been like how the, you make that, your but, front end is up to you, right? Because so now the challenge becomes you create the killer desktop interface, but you've eaten up all the RAM, you can't run any apps, right? <laughs> so, well, with two meg, you might
4: be able to, but it certainly now, looks
0: good. Yeah, G Shell doesn't suck, it's it's you know, it's 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 a,
4: a bit slow in, in certain spots, and I've got to try to figure out a way to, right?
0: It. So, so speaking of two megs, how does so two megs, Nitrous 9 can address and work with all two of those megs. Yeah. No limitations. The other than the, the 8K MMU blocks, right? That's the only yeah, real... Yeah,
4: 64K old. process space because it's So, 64, so 64 when we
0: I start have. to talk about what um, Jim Brain's doing with the Cocoa Mem with 8 megs, what happens when you get to the 8 meg territory with nitrous nine is uh, the from what i recall hearing you still never access more than two megs of ram maximum so you have like a six meg ram drive or is there any way to extend ram beyond two megs
4: you could write a specialized driver it would run slower if you're doing that because there's some extra bytes you got to write for the MU every time you switch anything which is anytime you task switch anytime the operating system is switching between tasks multitasking which is happening Multiple times per second in the background, always. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a real, you know, a real uh, multitasking system. Um, I have thought of a few other things to use the extra six meg and eight meg board for. Um, RAM drive is one. <clears throat> you could also preload some sound files and stuff and play them out of there. In fact, you, if you wrote the driver allocation memory part properly, you could mix it. You could say, "I want to make for reserve for sound samples for my game." And I also want the other four meg to be a RAM drive because I'm doing assembling and stuff and I want it to run faster. Um, OS9 itself, or Nitrous 9 itself, because when it initializes itself, when you boot it, it basically does all the memory allocation based on the first two meg. Also means you could make the RAM drive so that if you hit reset and restart Nitrous 9, it doesn't lose the contents. You could actually have it already there. So the next time you reboot, if we set some sort of little flag on the RAM drive to say, I'm initialized, I've got stuff on me, don't wipe me out, you could actually bring it back up with a totally different version, say switch between the 6.0.9 and 6709 versions of nitrous nine reboot just by hitting reset and, you know, mounting the other image and then typing DOS and you could actually have it come back up with your Ram drive intact between the two. So you do something like that. to files still stay there too.
0: Did, did or does nitrous nine do any type of virtual memory page file type stuff?
4: Not in the traditional sense. There was somebody had done something where it actually would swap some stuff to disk Uh, It ran pretty slow from parameter. I mean, because
0: one one really weird thing that I never understood back in the days of like Windows 311 was, you know, you had that RAM drive that Microsoft gave us. And so everybody had this brilliant smart drive, whatever it was. So everybody had this brilliant idea. Hey, let's let's take let's create a big fat RAM drive and then let's tell Windows to use its page file in the RAM drive. And, but I'm sitting here thinking, why couldn't Windows just use the RAM? Why did, you know, I, I never quite put those two dots together. It's like putting virtual RAM inside real RAM. Why couldn't we just use RAM? <laughs> and I know this is off yeah. topic from OS 9, but um, I'm just trying to think is so, you know, what? other than, uh, obviously RAM is faster than than disk. So if you offloaded all your commands, directories, and all your OS stuff and to, to run from RAM, uh, even G Shell would probably run faster, right? So,
7: first off, Steve, remember Windows 3.0 actually had three different modes. It had the real mode, which had run on an 8086, a 286 mode, and a 386 mode. So, if you had a 386 and you're running in one of the other modes, you'd have could potentially have resources that weren't normally available. Windows 3.1, I think, would still do 286 mode, if I remember right. So, you know, if you had a system that was way beyond the capabilities of the basic Windows stuff, yeah, you might want to put stuff in a RAM drive.
0: Yeah. yeah. But so so what so RAM drive obviously the obvious benefit is it's gonna speed things up, right?
4: Yeah. And to be honest, most people when they had large amounts of RAM would create RAM drives for the temporary files that the assembler uses or temporary files that the C compiler uses because right. there's a, a lot of a lot of, lot of stuff tools for disk based, unlike mm. like old, old yeah. And you would tell it, you know, go to the RAM drive for all that stuff, don't hit my hard drive, or, or even worse yet, my floppy yeah. drive. Yeah. Dog slow.
7: And again, that's a holdover because of old tools that did stuff in old way.
4: Yeah, That's so what we used to,
0: to sixty four megabytes.
4: Files, scratch files are called.
0: What was that, Paul? About sixty four megabytes? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Actually, I was going to go bigger to one twenty eight, but yeah. I didn't quite get. There. So, but, but I think so. Have you answered the question, Curtis? That the most physical direct contiguous RAM that OS nine could talk to is two megs?
4: Yeah, because that that fits uh, MMU numbers into one byte. Okay. Two hundred fifty six eight k blocks, which equals two meg. Okay. You could. Write extensions to the operating system, but then you start after writing double bytes to switch an MMU or yeah. even
0: more. Right. So so the, that that point's the, at, at that yeah, at that point the engineering time and the performance loss outweigh the benefit, right? So Well, uh, and
4: then, like, maybe we have to experiment and see if it does. It would definitely slow down multitasking somewhat.
0: But so, so honestly, the fact is 2 megs should, uh, this like when you're know, the old saying, who's who needs more than 64 K, but, um, <laughs> 2 megs, should 2 megs be enough for most of us, even power users, would 2 megs keep oh, David yeah. Ladd happy?
4: Yeah, no, 512 K actually, for the most part, kind of solved the problem. 128 is too little. That's one of the reasons that the EOU, unlike yeah. the regular G shell, doesn't even try. Um, it did some really crippling things. Like if you did an overlay window on 128 K, on on, a one, on 512K, it'll preserve the under part of the window so that it can restore it very quickly if, once you pull the overlay window off. In 128K, it has to do it the old-fashioned way where it goes, you don't have enough memory for that. It has to redraw the entire screen every time. So like little things like that. But 512K, you can run comfortably. Now now we're getting like large sound files and more complicated you know, graphics games that might have 200, 300K worth of graphics uh, uh, shapes and stuff for different levels, and you have sound samples you want to play in the background and stuff too. 512k can start to shrink it down a bit too. So, too okay. meg yeah, should be comfortable.
0: Trina K has just joined us. Hello, Trina. Um, how
7: do you, how do you quit OS 9 if you're back to the the, uh, the text shell. How do
4: you quit? Is there a shutdown command? You mean to just quit back to RS Uh, yeah, or t- just exit, shut everything down properly. But d- d- there's nothing really to shut down properly, quote unquote. Okay. there's the park command. You'd park the hard drive and then you'd no, just yeah, it's go a physical off. that's there's a physical. No
0: there's no graceful way to shut so now it says power you power switch it well. There is there's is,
4: there is official ways to shut it down. The if you hit reset twice, it'll kick you back to disk basic. If you hit reset once, it'll leave just the kernel track and then reload the operating system from that point.
9: Okay. Which means
4: it reloads all the graphics drivers and hard drive drivers and all that stuff. It, the only thing that keeps around is the initial uh, memory management part. Yeah, so if you going a bit snaky, you can just hit reset and reboot a lot faster because it doesn't have to reload everything from scratch.
7: Gotcha.
0: So what can we look forward to next? What do you think your next release will include?
4: Um there's some more speed ups coming. <clears throat> okay. I, I didn't quite finish uh the speedups of the 609. There's a couple of things on the hardware tech screens for the six through nine I think I can speed up a little bit too. So that'll be going in. Bill's working on some extensions to the windowing thing to create some new types of windows. Um, I will fix these uh, bottom eight lines not being accessible from the joystick or mouse. Okay. I'm going to try to get Nick and Sock's uh, high-res interface uh, software version built in so that you can do the full resolution. Of every eight pixels. Uh, I'm going to try to get that done for the next release. Uh, the gimme sparkly bugs. I'm going to try to fix that. i got to try to figure out what they did with the clock drivers because it was tied into that, and it kind of got broke at some point. How Um, about clock? What about clock?
5: Real-time clock. That has to be a hardware thing. That's
4: dependent on what what hardware clock chip you've got or whether you're running it through drive wire or whatever. What's
5: the most common chip that people use or that we should use? or.
4: I don't know for these days. I know Jim Brain was kind of asking that, and I'm not, I've, I've been out of the community enough. I don't know what people are running for but I think a lot of people are just running the DriveWire based one, which basically just takes it off your PC or your Mac or whatever you've got. And that
0: seems time. like that should be the easiest way, right?
4: Yeah. If you have a DriveWire setup, up, yeah.
0: DriveWire? DriveWire?
7: The, uh, <laughs> the hard drive it's controller it. in VCC is a uh, uh, cloud nine real-time clock. So I assume there's support for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what have we not asked you about this, Curtis? Has this been a good? Uh,
4: questions in chat or else? actually been able to.
0: Man, there's been it. a lot of stuff in chat. Yeah, it's uh, hard for me to keep up with. Um, so, more optimizations. Uh, ultimately, you will have bug it fix. where
4: bug fixes is the big thing because there's, there's there's bug fixes like the gimme glitch, uh, glitching. There's bugs with uh, if you're page flipping, you can't leave the page flipping windows. It traps you in there until you end that program. Um, the 200 line mouse thing. Like there's a, quite a few bugs we're still trying to fix too. Those are going to be my first concentration because uh, I want to get it you know, running smoothly and then I'm, and speeding up while I'm going through it because I have to go through the same part of the code when I'm trying to do the bug fixes. And then uh, installing some of the other games. shells have got a ton of things that have to be changed to allow running VDG based programs to allow you to better control the palette, to let you set a font and the default directories and stuff for a program within the AF file itself because right now it doesn't have any support for that. Um, Right now it's also limited to printing the name of the module that you're running, which may not be the name of the program because some people like name a program FF and it actually means file find or something like that. I want to change it so you can actually have it display a different name than the actual name of the module is. So you can make it more English like when you're looking on the screen, like here's the file find program with an FF. What the heck does that do again? you know that type of thing so there's a lot of little things i want to incorporate some right mouse clicking stuff for like renaming files instead of having to click the file once once selected going up to the files going down to rename so you know more modernize it that way too so there's just a ton of
2: neat
0: and you've the hard deadline for all this is now uh december 31st (laughs) before new year's eve (laughs) i'm not making any
4: promises uh, one month is too little to, to, yeah, to, yeah. 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 So well it's way. definitely
0: come a long way from Alpha to now. And now that it's out in public and now that um you know you've posted it, like you say, you've posted it on Facebook, you've posted it on the mailing list, you've posted it in Discord. So for those who want to get a copy of this, you're gonna download it from the from the link from Curtis's website.
4: Yeah. It's actually on a web page now. It used to be F T P only up until this right. release, which some I people posted. Right,
0: and there's device. a 6809 version. It's a 6309 version. You you unzip it. Um, if you're going to run it off the Coco SDC, you just mount the virtual hard drive and you boot it, yeah. and you're up and running. If you're running it on VCC, you have to run the floppy disk first to be able to mount the hard drive.
4: Yeah, you have to Not mount both. both. You mount the floppy drive, the the disk image, and then you mount the VHD under the hard disk option in VCC. Oh, you right? got to mount
0: both, and then you type in DOS from the floppy disk to kick it off. Yeah which loads okay. in the
4: hard drive driver for VCC, and then it runs. Now, is that
0: only VCC, or do you have to do that in MAME, too?
4: Um, I think, no. yeah, I think the floppy drives driver is needed in MAME, too, if I remember, oh, because yeah. it still needs that hard drive. Okay, so em- you have to. So right. if you're running an right.
0: emulator, you have to mount the floppy and the hard drive, and the floppy is yeah. kind of what connects the dot to the hard drive. However, yeah. Cocoa SDC has given us the luxury of just booting straight to the hard drive. Yeah. Okay. So the preferred way to run this would be on Coco SDC on real hardware to experience ease of use and all of its power. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a 6 glory.
4: or 9, definitely get the 6 9 version. It is noticeably faster as you saw from yeah. the
0: video. Don't do like what I did and download the wrong dumbass version because I'm an idiot. Well, that, that's, that's uh, okay
4: in this case because that was the one that had the most improvement this time.
0: Ah, one, okay. Demo a fair bit oh, faster. yeah. Well, I meant to do that then. So, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it
7: might seem faster than 512 also, for whatever reason. I tried to. 6309 version on VCC, and then I switched to two megs and rebooted. It's like, wow, oh, GShell comes up faster. Seem
5: to. Right? Hey, um, Curtis, um, yeah. when I try to f- format a floppy, it's three and a half inch drive. Okay. Is there a way to change that, or it's not easy? Or...
4: What do What do you mean? Like what?
5: Like um, drive. Are you doing it from G-shell or from the command D zero. If I if I hit. In the GUI, I hit format D zero. You know, it it um, comes up with text that says it's a three and a half inch drive, and it wants to do eighty sectors. 80
9: yeah,
4: tracks. that means that the default uh, floppy descriptor we've got for that drive when you boot must be set to eighty call or eighty track. You're 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 not using an eighty track drive then, or
5: no? I have you know regular floppies I want to use five and a quarter. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat>
4: I mean, there's there's two ways to tackle that. I mean, if, once once this is fully released and and you can customize the boot to your own, you would just change the device description in your boot to say this drive so is. I, free
5: I, I have to be smart enough to do that then.
4: Well, there's an easier way to do it right now built in too. There's a command called D mode. Disk mode is what it stands okay. for, and you can set those cool. settings yourself.
5: Okay, I'll go look it up
4: on the fly. And if you type help <laughs> D mode, it will give you a little bit of help. You can type D mode space slash whatever the name of your drive is, which I think you said was D zero. You were trying, yeah. And it'll give you what the current settings on that drive are, like how many sectors per track, how many tracks you got, how many sides is double sided or single sided. And you can just type D mode and then slash D zero and then change whatever parts you need to change for your particular drive, and then it'll work fine. From G Show. you'll format as a forty track or a single sided or double sided, whatever your drive is.
0: Okay. Thank you. Welcome. Cool. 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 Well, this has been a great. Day of OS nine. And all days should be this good. All day should include this much OS nine discussions. Day, yeah. Yes. Um I Been think great. we should we should mention maybe one we we had a few things to talk about in the news, which we'll we'll share one of them real quick. So number one, for those of you not aware, the latest episode of the Coco Crew podcast has dropped. So make sure you listen to that, CocoCrew.org or subscribe to it on your favorite podcast app, whatever that may be. But another thing that has come up is that um, uh, they are looking to enlist another community roundtable. And they've done this a few times where they invite people to come on and take part in a a discussion that will air on the next episode. So since we are are now, what is it, the November episode just dropped. We're now in December. I would imagine they would be recording this and then it will um, appear at the end of the month in a December episode. So it looks like he's saying here. December is here, so it's time for another community roundtable discussion on the Cocoa Group podcast. What, um, Whether you are nearly a newbie or you're a cocoa nut from way back, maybe you would like to join us for some discussions on the ongoing state of the Cocoa community. So they're looking at around December 15th. So I think they're looking for people to um, want to, um, you know, uh, kind of RSVP to be part of that discussion as have all been good in the past. Um... So um, just for so you know that was that's actually on the Coco Crew podcast Facebook group. I'm sure it's also been you um, um, shared out on, on some of the other Facebook groups so check that out if you're interested in joining that roundtable discussion, please do um, and hey,
4: Stevie, have you had a chance to listen to the latest?: or? I
0: just started listening to it last night, so it, it only just dropped like yesterday, right it just yeah. came out. Yeah, so I I just started listening last night, so I haven't gotten too far. I think I've gotten into some of the events they've been talking about, you know, and maybe the beginning of the news. That's about as far as I got. I was listening while I was waiting on people to join our test call that we are doing last night. My Florida Retro group wanted to try to have virtual meetings, and so I said, well, we could try it on my little Zoom thing here. So while I was waiting for people to show up, I was listening then last night. Um, Excuse me. Ooh! All I'm right. I'm just
4: waiting to see if you go through the entire uh, tech, tech talk by John on on stacks.
0: Oh, just, okay. How
4: fast your eyes glaze over there. if
0: my if my head explodes or not? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. I'll let you know. Um, let's actually let's real quick. I bet we pull it up and let's uh, we'll we'll pull up the show notes just so we know what. Um, what we can look forward to this month. So if I go back to, I know they're going to do it. They're going to do their own Tandy assembly um, recap or something. But if we go to cococrew.org, here's the episode. And you can actually search the show notes now, which is a nice feature. But so this is episode 42. So here's the show notes. So what can we look forward to? What are the segments we have here? So they talk about some events that are going on, right? And then we get into the news, which I don't remember how far I got into the, the, the news. So, um, But there's, a, there's a, a, a super sack race made the news. Um, so a bunch of stuff going on there. Um, and then what are, we have feedback. Um, so Davey Mitchell gave some feedback. Uh, So there's a Tandy Assembly recap that takes place at one hour and seven minutes that lasts roughly 14 minutes because then we get into a host discussion. We have a host discussion, is a good story better than the hard facts? Not quite sure I understand where that's going, but I guess we'll find out when we hear that one. That's that's Uh, uh,
4: basically about are you supposed to correct somebody if they're not quite remembering something historic quite accurately type thing. Okay. You call them out on it and, and maybe come across as a jerk or do you you know, Is just kind of, you know, slough it off as being, well, they just probably just don't remember because it was like. Well,
0: I'm, yeah. OK, so so let me I'm g- give you an example. So, number one, I don't know how many of you have kids, but I, I think probably most of us would not be a fan of having our kids correct us, right? It's just kind of a rude thing to do, right? Listen, you little shit, I'm your parent, and who, how dare you talk to me, right? I know better than you. But another thing is, even when um, when Alan was on earlier, I think he had said something about, well, he would said a year twice, and the second time he said the year, I think he said the different, like he said, 89 instead of 79 or something like that. And you, you kind of knew what he meant. So if when it's just a, a, a faux pas, and you correct somebody, that to me, that is kind of, pointless. Um but if somebody is completely off and now you you try to do it politely, I guess, right? So I guess that is kind of a slippery slope, right? So yeah. um that's that should be interesting. And so then the actual tech segment itself is what is a CPU stack? And that runs from about an hour forty to about two ten. So you got about a half hour there of listening to what a stack is. And then we have Neil's corner. Uh Frankie, is that a game? Or is that we're yeah. we talking about uh, okay that's right. It's a game. All right. So yeah, so here's the show notes. So here's just a little bit of what you can expect in this month's Cocoa Crew podcast. So make sure you check that out and give them a listen. Give a listen to that other show, um, that other Cocoa Crew show, that other Cocoa show, I should say. Right. So um, very very cool. Uh, all right, and I'm, we uh,
5: let me see on Ron's garage if uh, you're interested to try if you have a a um, Xpad. I put a version of uh, Coco Max on there that uses the X Pad, and I have pictures of me using mine. So if you want to try it, there's a Coco Max program that you can download in the files area. So, What'd what you pay you... for your X Pad, by the way? Say it again.
7: What did you pay for your X Pad? I know you and Oh,
5: I, I got it with a group of stuff I bought like um, um, you know, years ago. I came ah, with okay. all my stuff.
0: All right, so this is Ron's Ron's Garage Group on Facebook, and so you you what you're saying is you had time from your busy schedule to post something yeah. on Facebook this week,
5: Ron? Once or twice. Okay, here we go. There's some pictures I drew on the X Pad. Uh, so you you basically
0: fruit. you hand drew <laughs> these, right? Yes. And what kinda uh, what, what kind of crappy car is that right there? Well, what do you think it is might Is that be? a Chevy? Is that a Chevy? <laughs> yeah, right.
4: <laughs> Ron, did you ever get it to work on a Coco three even at regular speed or or no?
5: I <laughs> uh, just wanted to play with old retro model two Coco stuff. Okay. Uh,
4: did, does your X pad run Coco oh,
5: Max? No, on? it does not run on three.
4: No, not not even running regular speed or anything. it just doesn't run. It
5: doesn't, it won't come up the software won't come up
0: okay so this was a this was basically a still life here right where you actually put up a floppy and drew the floppy so you needed the real thing there for inspiration Uh, (laughs) it's like you can't draw a bowl of fruit without having the bowl of fruit in front of you so try and draw a floppy without looking at it you know (laughs) you start off with pretty much a square
5: yeah is the hole directly in center or is it down a little bit
0: yeah, well you could use some artistic license, you know, and make yeah. the floppy how you in your own vision. <laughs> it's like driving a car with a uh, square tires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, neat. So these are hand drawn and so you have actually put up on Ron's garage the um the, the link, link to download yeah. that. So is that under the file sections here? So we have uh, yes. X Xpad DCC, XMS. Yep, okay, so yep. so people can download the disk image to have the XPad version of this if you want to hand draw. I actually am feeling inspired to do that.
5: You know, it's a whole different thing when you're drawing with a limited palette. You know, yeah. you don't really yeah. have a whole lot of colors. When I drew the fruit, I, could, I couldn't make the uh, banana yellow. Ah. I, I had to pick something that
0: was close to yeah. yellow, so it was orange. Does yeah. it give you the dither patterns where you could do, like, the red and white checkers to look lighter?
5: Uh, yeah, that's what I did with the uh, uh, – there's a tomato there, and I made that uh, with lines, and it looks like a, di- a deeper red.
0: Yeah, 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 which yeah. Which it isn't. Right. There,
5: yeah. And uh, it's supposed the to be – The broccoli, green broccoli. broccoli exactly. Yeah. There's no green, so – Chopping broccoli. Color.
0: Yeah. Dithering. Yes. Dithering. You do it. And so, Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. So, you really have to think, you know,
5: when you're drawing, you have to think, what am I going to, how am I going to make this look good? You know, or like putting the um, little um, reflection on the apple. Yeah. Just yeah. one click of the eraser. Yeah.
0: There you go. Your little shiny and spot.
4: Even, even Hugo de mentioned that, like when he was designing the icons that we've shown before on the, his upcoming game, he said, you know, the, the limitation of 16 colors, you know, compared oh, yeah. to what Nintendo or something else has in some of the things, tricks he did to draw stuff.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's Ron's. Uh, okay. So this was this was my high score. Yes. And this is the one that Ron did where he got uh, 842,910. Ron is a video game beast. And I also put Almost more dots a coming down so you wouldn't guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just saw it. I didn't even. I didn't put two and two together. I'm like, man, Ron, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now somebody else has posted that. <laughs> Now, i got to say, this was really fun, playing this game. It was really. We did it the other night, and maybe I wouldn't mind doing it again tonight if we're doing After Dark or something. But um, I really enjoyed playing the game, and it took a while. It took probably an hour and 45 minutes into my two hours to really get into the groove of knowing the screens. And even if you know where everything is and you've figured out the mechanics and you've gotten your physical reflexes finally you know, in that zone... The whole random factor of this game still makes it challenging, you know. So the, the more I played, the more I could breeze through the earlier rounds because they became a little bit more familiar. But that challenge factor of not knowing when the drop of acid's going to drop and, you know, freaking bouncing ball and stupid effing bat, you know. So, um <laughs> It was a fun game to play, and um, I, I, w- I would like us to do more things like that where we can just get together, and especially when, for the people who can share their screen. I know, like Jason has done it in the past, or even just point your camera at your screen and get a bunch of us playing the game together and see how we can do. Um, now, yeah. if you
4: do an After Dark uh, game thing tonight, would that be with Downline again or a different game?
0: Uh, we could. I mean, I, w- I actually would like to go further in this game because somebody did post in a Facebook group that they got to le- level eight. And there were some scores posted that were pretty high, and somebody mentioned he made it to cavern, to cavern eight or whatever it's called. So um, <clears throat> I would like to possibly play that again. Um, I, I think that would be, you know, kind of like w- what we started with Dagwrath, how I've gotten to level four of the dungeon. <clears throat> it's kind of like these are some of the. Um, Life, life goals, you know, the games you never beat. <laughs> so beating Dagrath, making it to Cavern 9. And apparently, spoiler alert, it's already been put out there on Facebook. When you, when you walk out of Cavern 9, it just takes you back to Cavern 0 again. So completely anti It makes it harder because uh, the game is a real frickin' walk in the park the first time through, right? So, yeah.
4: Well, you uh, know the acid drops? Where you, uh-huh. if you're on the rope, you, you they'll go down either side of you. Yeah. Um, the later chambers, you'll actually get a few where the acid drops are close,
0: and you have to actually
4: push off and hang off the side of the rope.
0: Son of a bitch. Yeah, when
4: it so. wraps around, almost all of them are like that, from what I heard. I haven't got that far myself, but
0: uh, yeah. Uh, if I could just make it to cavern nine, and you know that that would be good enough for me. Because me to me that game's not about not. Listen, if you have a good score, great. But to me, it's more about the. Um, completing Same the memory. screens yeah you know then what actual points because chasing diamonds and money bags is, is you're going to waste time when you only have so much time before the effing bat comes out right so yeah. you know, like I, I
4: suggested I never... last, last time we were doing downland uh, one I would like to see you try again now that you actually have real joysticks because way back when you last oh you're talking game, about the contras contras right? yeah yeah because the second button I think you couldn't fire diagonally you
0: yeah know,
4: your xbox controller and stuff I think you could do a lot better
0: yeah maybe we can do a gaming marathon tonight I'm sorry, Ron, what were you going to say? Well, when I, when I was younger and I
5: had my Coco set up and I played games on occasion, which I didn't play a whole lot, but when I did play, my son was young and he would come by. Dad, 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 Dad. <laughs> I'm trying to play the game. And he's going, Dad, Dad. <laughs> drove me nuts. <laughs> you play it. <laughs> he did pretty good as a little kid, I must say. Yeah, yeah, kids seem my to do little a little kids better.
0: kids are they're nimble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so have we beat this one to death?
4: Oh, probably. All yeah.
0: right, okay, so I guess we can reconvene in Discord later if we want to do an after dark. If we do an after dark, it'd be same channel, probably same time, 9 p.m. ish. Nick Morentes, did you have a core dump or anything else you wanted to share with us this week? Bueller, Bueller. All right. I'm not sure if Nick's he's, muted. He's, he's
8: so excited by OS Nitrous Nine now. That yeah, we yeah. Talking about he's, games, he bored he's asleep,
0: speechless. So.
8: He's been speechless. Uh, I'm back now. Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really. I started talking about RS DOS games, and he
4: just fell asleep. He's so enamored with Nitrous Nine now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't have keep him been, excited.
8: Have
5: you been drawing pictures with your Coco
8: Max? Mm, no, no. I haven't had much time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to? Oh, not with the old. Uh, no, no, I've got. I mainly do programming on the Cocoa under the real operating system RS Basic. <laughs> <laughs> RS Basic. <laughs> Ease of use. Not all the other flip flap of uh, OS 9. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No. So did no. you have a did you have a core dump for us or anything else you wanted to share or update uh, with us?
8: No, I think I had my own core dump during the os nine session, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, TMI. TMI. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, no, that was that was a good os nine session, <laughs> um, but no, I don't have anything. No. All right. Well, this
0: one's in the bag. Any closing thoughts, parting thoughts, words of wisdom. It. Are you going to count this episode eighty five as a real episode? Yeah, why wouldn't yeah? We? Okay, <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, why not?
0: Because it was OS nine. Is that we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna oh, okay? You're gonna hide it. It won't be a Nick's list. It'll be it'll be our dirty little <laughs> our dirty little secret that we all enjoyed OS nine today. <laughs> really.
6: The yeah. only
4: thing I'd like to say is that everybody go download download whatever's appropriate for machine, the 689 version, 639 version, uh, now that it's more easily accessible. And please send feedback. You can send it through the Facebook comments. You can send it through Discord. If you're on the bit list or Cocoa that Dennis Kits runs, the email server, then please send it there. But uh, definitely want some feedback. Um, i already had one report that I kind of already knew about, but it uh, reminded me of a bug I've got to fix on how I've got the icon set up for Mac pictures versus Mac sound files. Okay. Uh, please feedback and uh if you have any questions um if you want to you know some tips on programming if you want to try basic 9 and start writing your own arcade games using the faster graphics feel free to ask
0: okay uh diego did you have anything you wanted to get tell us this week
7: no it's just that uh that's what i've been doing right now i actually downloaded it started on bcc and i'm trying to remember how you got into writing uh basic 9 <laughs> So, yeah I'm starting a new game and maybe I'll I'll give it a shot see if once
4: I finally okay. get it feel free it. to ask me any questions are you in discord or uh yep yep I have an account there don't go very often but okay because there's a nitrous 9 eOU group if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me your build then fire away
7: And now you that have a good reason to
0: yeah <laughs> now do, have you have you added a discord client to the eOU beta 2
4: not
0: yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'd be but beta. the
4: drive wire th- stuff that might be possible. All anyway. yeah,
0: right. Maybe beta three will have it. So, um, did uh, Mark Overholzer or anything you want to update us on?
7: Nope. Uh, sorry, I've been busy at work, not doing anything.
0: Practical, okay. So. And Ron Delvo, we've seen your artwork, and we have a yeah. download of that. So uh, it was
5: a busy day for me. Appreciate okay. uh, you yeah. know, in short notice, having this guy come on
0: and all. Well, you, man, it was great. It was great. It really was. I I never
4: even thought of asking. Like I've, I've, through you know emails and stuff, I've talked to Alan for twenty years. I mean, like we, like I said during the show, uh, interviewing him, that uh, we used to put some of our distribution patches and upgrades for Nitrous Nine on his FTP server. hmm. So we've been using that for since the nineties, and I never even thought to interview him.
0: Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Brian Weasler, anything you want to? Share with us. I saw you got a new shiny silver cocoa one.
9: Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I came across that one there. And uh, I messaged the guy and uh, he really didn't have a lot of hits on it at all. there through the Craigslist. And, and uh, the pitcher really did not do it justice until I actually uh, went to go pick it up at his house and was really surprised at the condition that it was in. I mean, really the only thing, uh, kind of unfortunate, but not a big deal, it's missing one of the, uh, the rubber feet on mm. the bottom there but uh other than that uh there's hardly any blemishes on it at all it um, looked pristine um, yeah. yeah i, the fl- I even shine oh. the flashlight in the inside there and bore, uh, the uh the system board's all nice and shiny and everything too so it's kind of best cover stored in a garage um yeah like i put in the comments the the person was ready to chuck it in the trash because they figured wow. well, out know, nobody wants this yeah they bought it well they bought it for their son a long time ago and he never did anything with it and they're doing some house cleaning and it's like, well, uh, what are we gonna do with this? And he just happened to be over there and he's like, well, uh, here I'll, let me throw it on Craigslist for you.
0: So, yeah. I don't, I don't know if any of you guys, we did a very spontaneous Florida retro club meeting last night, but there's a new member in the club. His name is David Rosa. He's down in South Florida. Kid's 14 years old and he's a retro collector and he's already got more stuff than probably most of us put together right now. Uh, except for maybe the exception of Ron Del but he has got so many systems and he's, uh, you know, and he's becoming like a historian at 14 just collecting all these old systems. But he's he got an Apple IIe system that looks almost brand new and has everything. The monitors, the double-wide disk drive thing, and a, a numeric keypad and all kinds wow. of stuff. And whoever owned it was the original owner. It was kept indoors in an air-conditioned room the whole time. So there's this, like, it's a complete time capsule thing that he got. Um, it's Um I mean, when you get something like that in that condition, it's such a cool thing, you know? Um Oh, cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh and so Nick Morentes, did you I forgot what you said. Were you good, Nick? Nothing else to update us on? And no core dumps or project updates, anything like that. Okay. Yeah, he's muted again. And Steve Bjork, uh you got a new T shirt? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I got a new T shirt. And you got the MPI on the way. Yeah, probably be here Monday. Excellent. we are looking forward to seeing that and possibly even hearing that. So yeah, with to, that,
9: uh, with that t-shirt there, I was, uh, while we we're chatting there, I went ahead and ordered one of those. When you go to the website, uh, they have a thing you can click on to get a 15% discount. Right. So. so
0: yeah. mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So listen, Radio Shack, you gotta, you gotta support whatever Radio Shack is right now, I guess. Right. So, um, neat, neat, neat. <laughs> the a-list i <laughs> get bill on here all right you know get him to set that we get well if we get bill gates on then we need to also get brother jeremy on here for an update of his song saying let the roms free <laughs> we'll get a new song we'll get the roms released and then uh and then uh yeah and then we can start we making the bill the 640k um award yeah yeah Remember. Honestly, if anybody could make a Coco Mini Classic, it could be Microsoft because they own the ROMs, you know. So, <laughs> oh, never
5: thought of it that way.
0: Yeah. So, matter of fact, I'm I'm actually looking forward to one now. So, because um, I do IT for a living, I've got uh, Barracuda Networks wants me to do some type of demo with them on their uh, management platform. If I if I agree to their webinar, I'm going to get an, uh, a PlayStation Mini Classic as my gift for doing their webinar. So I'm like, shoot, I'll listen to whatever you have to say for a half hour to get a free <laughs> PlayStation Mini Classic. Um so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So in the meantime we have the uh we have the Raspberry Pi. That's our closest thing to a cocoa mini classic right now. But who knows? And then of course you've got like your Misters and your Co- matchbox cocos and your FPGAs. So there are there are things out there. All right, so we're gonna put a fork in this one. It's done. Three and a half hours, I believe. The world, uh, the world has gotten enough OS nine for one day. But if you need more, yeah, if if you you need more, just press the clear key, open up a new terminal, and you can get even more. You can multitask. Then you format slash (laughs) Nick. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. I'm not going to even bother with the closing credits or anything like that. Just everybody, final thoughts, final words, and we're going to press the button, Frank. Nick Marota. Download and test it out. Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota.
7: Marota.
0: Yeah, Nick Morota. All right, well, we're going to press the button, Frank. Thank you all for the 20. We've, we've been holding fast at about 25 viewers consistent the whole time. So us nine was a hit with at least 25 people on the planet. So thank you just, all for being here. I just
7: posted a message to the uh, Coco mailing list that uh, uh, we'll have the video up shortly in
0: case. Yep, yep, yep. So we've is. had Nick Moroda in the live chat. We've had David Ladd in the live chat. Mark Overholzer, Ken Reichert has been here. Al Hartman has been here. Curtis Boyle was here. Salvador Garcia, John Linville. We've got a motor vehicle in the background there. Uh, Nick Marota, Salvador, Steve Bjork, John Linville, Ken Reichert, Jay Brevin, and Steve Bjork, and Rob Inman was in the live chat. Uh, Dragon Bites. Well, who is Dragon Bites? I know his name is also Lord Dragon, but a guy's got a real name, right? Who is he? Help me understand who Dragon Bites and Lord Dragon is to his God-given name. Nick Marota, Mark D. Overholzer, Salvador, Jay Brevin, James Jones was out here. Uh, Grant Leedy came by. Tom C was here. Grant Leedy had to work today. James Jones, James Jones, a lot of James Jones chat out there. Jason Downs was out here asking about the Gimme Sparkles. A lot of Nick Morota out there. Jason Downs. Mark Bosley was in the live chat. Um, The the list goes on, right? So Rob M and Chet Simpson was out there for a little while talking about some stuff he had going on. What's that?
7: Simon Jonasson dropped by for a bit. Simon
0: Jonasson dropped by. Trina Kay was here saying hi, everyone. Simon Jonasson was here. So, yeah, thank you all for hanging fast. And um, we're going to press the button now. I just want to say, Grant Leedy, without you, we would be nothing. So take care, everybody. Say goodbye. Everybody saying say goodbye to Nick